0: 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish moments in the morning radio program, and today we broadcast from the JCC in Greater Pittsburgh, a building where on its front it says the JCC is for everyone, and this building, which represents such a vast and diverse group of people and members from the Jewish community and from the general community of Pittsburgh, is the perfect place to be one year later, as we observe the yard site this coming Shabbos on the 18th of Marcheshvan, of the victims of the three synagogues, three congregations, uh, who were attacked in the uh, Tree of Life Synagogue last year in the worst massacre in the Jewish community of the United States in our history. Last night, we came into Pittsburgh, and we immediately went to the site of, um, of the massacre, where uh, last year during Shiva we stood with people from uh, all backgrounds who were paying their respects. Hard to believe it's a year later. And as the sign reads on the fence of the Tree of Life Synagogue on October the 27th of 2018, a gunman opened fire on Jewish worshippers among our three congregations, Tree of Life, New Light, and Dor Hadash who shared this synagogue building. 11 members were murdered and two wounded, along with five first responders. It was the worst attack on American Jews in the United States history. The perpetrator was an anti-Semitic white supremacist. For months, the empty synagogue building sat behind a fence covered by dingy blue tarps. As we began to pull ourselves together, We realized that this dismal view did not reflect who we are, the spirit of the dear friends we lost, or the message we want to project to the world. After the assault, good people from near and far left flowers, candles, and signs on our doorstep, or sent cards and gifts expressing sympathy and solidarity, inspired by this outpouring of kindness. We launched hashtag hearts together, the art of rebuilding, a campaign to replace the tarps with uplifting artwork by student artists. We do so to thank our first responders, neighbors, and all who showed us so much love and gave us the strength to begin to heal and rebuild. By bringing beauty and hope to the site of this tragedy, our youthful artists are helping us defeat prejudice and intolerance with positivity. The statement on the fence concludes with the words of gratefulness and thanks to those who donated the creative services which enabled the project and the sign company and fence company that were part of the entire uh, of the entire uh, procedure to get this done now when you're there at the synagogue and you're sitting in front or standing in front you cannot help but be overwhelmed by the incredible messages of hope and love that came from all around the world, came from other victims of terror uh, and shootings in the United States, came from uh, young and old, but mostly young, who participated in this project and if there's anything that symbolizes what Pittsburgh is like one year later it is in fact that exhibit that we saw when we first got here last evening. Uh, As we said earlier there is no better place to be one year later than here at the JCC. This is a, uh, a building that welcomes all and tries its best to open up its arms to everybody and welcome everybody who's uh, ready to participate in its programs from the Jewish community and from the general community. And this facility is used by so many people for so many different purposes, so many great gatherings, and we felt that this is where we needed to be uh, when we started to broadcast our one-year commemoration with the art site coming up this Shabbos. Miriam Wallach is here joining me, of course, as we kick this off and um, and speak about the tremendous uh, resilience that the Pittsburgh community has. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Nachum. And um, I think those two steps you agree with. The first, uh, that the very moving exhibit mm. is really an amazing way Uh, for people to come away with a uh, tremendous amount of spirit when they leave the area of the synagogue. Remember, it can be very depressing. The synagogue is closed, has not been reopened. Um, It would be sitting there simply empty and sad. And instead, a lot of messages of hope and a lot of messages of resiliency, resilience, I should say, uh, are there along the fence. One that uh, is being referred to as a sidewalk gallery and entitled Windscreens on the Fence. And it's literally on the fencing around the uh, synagogue. And secondly, the next step was to come to the JCC. You had been enthusiastically touting this for a few days, and uh, I wondered, I think we both wondered, you know to what degree a JCC building would open itself up early mm-hmm. in the morning for JM and the AM.
1: Right, we're always in awe of people who are <laughs> willing to open their doors to us at the ungodly hour That we usually arrive.
0: Plus, you have to admit, Pittsburgh does not know us as well as New York and New Jersey does. Sure. Pittsburgh does not know us as well as Israel does. Also, the vast community that's represented here does not know us as well as some of the more specific communities Mm -hmm. that we address. So we we wondered, what would it be like when we placed that first phone call? What would it be like (laughs) when we asked Nina Butler, Dr. Nina Butler, who's going to join us later and has been our point person here now for two years. What would it be like when we asked her... You know, who we could speak to, who we could arrange uh, broadcasting from the JCC with. And um, frankly, when she gave us all the contact information, I'm not sure that she knew what the reaction (laughs) would be. And we could not have asked on such short notice for any more cooperation than we've gotten and any more enthusiasm than we've gotten. And the JCC has placed a smack in the middle of this facility, which is beautiful. This yes. building is incredible. It's unbelievable. It has everything you'd ever want in a JCC building, including a pool, basketball courts, theater, fitness center, um, study rooms, uh, Pre-school. Early, early childhood center. <laughs> I mean, it's all here. Yeah. It is all here. And people are really here, seriously, starting in the 5 o'clock right. hour, as crazy as that sounds. Um, and uh, they've just been amazing. So we, we we were here. We literally went from the shul last night uh, here to the JCC, mm-hmm. um, made all the arrangements and uh, made sure that everything would be uh, set up for us in the 5 o'clock hour. And here we are um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one year later. We also should mention, we mentioned Dr. Nina Butler, we should mention Rabbi Daniel Wasserman, who is out of town and not in Pittsburgh today. Uh, but he also enthusiastically has welcomed us back and encouraged us to come back.
1: And was our host a year ago.
0: Correct. Yep. Uh, encouraged us to come back during the week of the First Yard Site. He was our host a year ago and um, at his congregation. And we get an opportunity because we're not here this year during Shiva, obviously. And we're not here in the immediate aftermath of what happened. Uh, we're not here during a time when everybody is scrambling and trying mm-hmm. to to fulfill all the requests for media from around the country and fulfill the requests for, you know, all the different things that are needed and necessary. Even Robert Wasserman last year was amazing that he actually had time for us Correct. with everything he was doing in the aftermath of this terrible tragedy. And, uh, and therefore, because it's a year later, we've really enhanced, enhanced is the wrong word, but we've really, we've really changed our guest list today. We have a couple of returning guests who were with us last year. But other than that, we have a completely fresh guest list of people who have been on the front lines of everything that's happened here in Pittsburgh's Jewish community for the last year. Um, many men and women, um, um, rabbis and other leaders who are, um, who are committed to helping this community move forward. And it seems from, the, from what we've seen these, just these few hours, they've a pretty, done a pretty good job in 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 getting the uh, the people back on track here.
1: You mention a, a number of things that um if you give me a minute I just want to comment on. First of all when we when we went to Tree of Life. And yes, when we were here a year ago the first thing we did was go to Tree of Life when we entered Pittsburgh, when we entered Squirrel Hill. And so we did the exact same thing this time. And this time was obviously to view the artwork that now surrounds the Tree of Life Synagogue, on these windscreens, right? They've made this exhibit, and we'll hear more about that later. What, two things shocked me. Number one is that as we were viewing the, uh, the exhibit in the car, um, you had your hazards on, you pulled over to the side, right. and everyone around us was patient. Right. The cars, <laughs> the cars behind us moved to the side, gave us space to be able to view the exhibit to be able to view the artwork and I mean yes, we are some might argue
0: that would have happened before that tragedy by the way. Correct,
1: correct. But there was a of course you can stop and look. Of course we'll go around you. And nobody honked. Nobody bothered us. Nobody anything. And it was a little too cold to get out and look at everything on our own, you know, outside and and
0: we'll go on the sidewalk. Plus we had the perfect view from the car. Correct, mm-hmm. yes.
1: and we, But we also had the patience and the understanding of the community. And so that was something that I noticed. And yes, I, I believe that if uh, New York was in the similar situation and that there was a similar setup, yes, uh, we too as New Yorkers would allow other people to view the art. But, but it, to me it was poignant that... Um, that we were given that opportunity, and everyone was
0: patient. And by the way, that's just—it's symbolic that you bring this up because so many stories we heard last year were how were about how the general community reached out in any way possible, whether it's you know helping buy supplies right. or or just giving greetings to people, you know, and letting them know how much they care about them. Uh, I think what you just mentioned about last night—it you know brings us back to that uh, to that time last year.
1: Right. I also think that. You know, this show today—you mentioned that we have a number of very interesting guests, and that the lineup is different for for sure, different from last year, but also different from what you and I expected this lineup to look like. And that was very telling because the show quickly became a a, a lineup of resiliency and um, resiliency, but not to the point of forgetting, meaning. The, you know you you this this JCC is bustling at 5:15 in the morning. Mm-hmm. They told us that people line up for access to the gy- access to the gym and access to the pool. They want a particular lane in the pool and life is life is life is you know life is alive here in Pittsburgh and at the JCC and we're going to talk to different people from the JCC and they'll shed more light onto all of that. But it's not without Paying attention and 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 still with a bit of a broken heart to a year ago, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that not only are the is the stronger than hate, um, um, iconic image of the Steelers logo with the with the Magendavid you know taking place of one of the uh, the stars so to speak, or I guess you'd call those one of the diamonds mm-hmm. on the uh, Steelers logo. Um, so not only is that image still here in the JCC, but as we were driving into town and we were driving around, it's still in the storefronts mm-hmm. and this morning at five 15 in the morning when I was getting my cup of coffee, there is still a, a, I guess I'll use the word a tribute or a commemoration to what life has been like in the last year. i um, still up in that Starbucks and when we came in, when we were driving towards the JCC from Tree of Life last night, we also saw um, a couple of ads on the sidewalk with the faces of the 11 people who were murdered. And it is a it is important, I think, for us to really appreciate what this community has gone through and, and how they are looking at this and saying, okay, this... This is us, but this doesn't define us. And we're not, you know, we are going to live life. And I think that's really important.
0: That's why the phrase that we've gotten to know, stronger than hate, Mm -hmm. really symbolizes this community perfectly. Because they acknowledge the hate, and boy, they know they have to rebound from this absolutely horrifying episode. At the same time, they acknowledge how much stronger they are moving forward. How much stronger they are than the hate, how much stronger they are than the enemy when it comes to this. And look, you know, it's funny... (sighs) you know the one of the reasons of course is that one of the reasons that you that we still see these tributes is be, in addition to it being commemorated throughout the entire year is that on the secular calendar there was just an observance right. on october the 27th and the jewish calendar observance is obviously this this coming Shabbos. um and that's you know one of the reasons it's fresh on everybody's mind um but there's just a a a spirit and a um i don't know a type of a of attitude, that, that would be the way of putting mm-hmm. it, a type of attitude here that is uh, prevailing. And we've been told about it. We were told about it before we got here last year, about the way this community would react. We were told all through the year, how they're bouncing back. Right. And of course, we see it up close and personal now <laughs> as eyewitnesses to what's going on here in Pittsburgh. We have people to thank this morning. We wanna thank Simon Jacob, the chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, who understands the importance of being in a place like Pittsburgh a year later and bringing these guests who we're going to speak to today to our worldwide audience. Uh, and, of course, we want to thank uh, all the people here in this building, uh, from Ashley, who helped with the technical uh, matters yesterday, to Officer Mike, who was here to make sure that we were taken care of mm-hmm. early this morning, just around 5 a.m., uh, to Paul, the head of security, to uh, Kathy who Kathy Samuels, who hopefully will join us later. Yes. I mean, Just an unbelievable, without her, and and her, you know, acquiescing to basically everything we wanted. Mm. I don't know if we would be here right now. I frankly. agree. <laughs> she was just amazing, and so we thank all the people here on the ground at the JCC. And um, um, and and one thing I wanted to mention, by the way. Yeah. And I think Paul made this point yesterday. Good morning. I think Paul made this point yesterday.
1: We have to talk about Paul.
0: The 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 trust that people have. In the personnel and the comfort of this building. Mm -hmm. The safe, or the safety, I should say, that they feel, young and old, being here. The speed with which they came back to this building after the tragedy. And as he pointed out yesterday, you know, this is a pretty large building with a lot of access ways, and there are people of of all backgrounds who use it, you know, and Mm -hmm. and anybody from anywhere. It's open to everybody. Right. So funny that, you know, it, it is open to everyone, and I loved it that we walked in the entrance <laughs> this morning that said, the JCC is for everyone. I said, wow, if that doesn't just say it. Right. You know, the JCC is for everyone. And I know that, you know, in our community, we always feel that every synagogue is for everyone, every congregation is for everyone, every institution is for everyone. I get that. But here you really feel like like no, there's no errors about anybody. It's for everybody. And I looked in his office a minute ago at the security cameras. Mm. And my gosh, <laughs> it is is—it is a, a complete board of cameras everywhere, uh, monitors, you know. So I, I should put
1: that pen back that I took from the other desk? <laughs> I was saying to myself, if I walk
0: into that office. And oh, just, you're on camera. Just, just to look around. <laughs> right. they, they're going to know about exactly. it. Exactly. And I walk in there and I'm saying to myself, you know, it's funny. In in one way, it is open to everyone and we want to make sure everyone's as comfortable as possible. And on the other side, we better make sure mm. that you know we do everything in our public places no matter where it is in all of our public buildings from day schools to synagogues to no matter where you are jccs no matter where you are in this country and acknowledge that this is the reality of today and do it the right way do it with seichel as they say and do it with the right funding and do it do it in a manner where parents can drop off their kids here and feel you know what correct i know they are safe so kudos to the jcc because They've been very impressive to all of us. No, for sure, for <laughs> the last many hours. For
1: sure, and we should also just mention, you know, Paul told us, a, you know, a number of anecdotes. Anecdotes. I mean, he is the head of security here. He's been in public safety and public security. I think he said for thirty-some odd years. So we're going on almost four decades, and he um he mentioned you know he was talking about his own personal experience that day on october 27th of last year and how this speak you know he said that was the room where families were told and this was the room where the fbi was set up and and this is the you know the ballroom behind me is where you know everyone was waiting and and he said um and he and he talked you know sympathetically about the fbi agents who you know, we're trying to, you know, keep the families, you know, manage the flow of information and, and inform the families appropriately, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he, he also spoke about one um, staff member here at the JCC whose mother was killed um, in the massacre and whose sister was hit. And, um, and he was back at work the next day. Right here. Right here in the JCC. And they, they sent him home and a couple of other times you know he by by day 2 he was back again and they sent him home and they you know they kept on saying to him you need to be there right now but he feels and felt such a duty to and commitment to not only to the building and the community. and but to the community and and i'm sure that there was also a comfort of him being here, knowing that this is a source of strength. It was a source of strength for him as well. Mm-hmm. But because there is such a community, literal and figure, figurative here within this building and within Squirrel Hill, they sent him home. And they kept on reminding him, you have to go home. Um, you know, I, I I posted a picture this just now of from the Starbucks <laughs> where I was this morning. Yeah. Why? Shock. I know, I know. It wasn't a selfie, but it was a sign that they, they have a sign up. Besides, um, you know, the, the No Place for Hate bumper sticker that's up there and Stronger Than Hate, there's a sign that says, proud to be your neighbor, which is obviously a take on Mr. Rogers. Well, he's from here. Correct. So the Squirrel Hill community was always proud of of the fact that the Mr. Rogers neighborhood, this is Mr. Uh, Rogers neighborhood. So it's not only won't you be my neighbor, it is proud to be your neighbor. And I and I loved that. And I was having this conversation with somebody um, last weekend, and and I said, you don't seem to understand it. it. It so hit the core of Squirrel Hill because Mr. Rogers accepted people for who they were in the 70s when nobody knew what acceptance was. Nobody knew, like, that concept didn't exist. So all of a sudden, for them to be, you know, hit in the gut, and obviously I'm putting it mildly, mm-hmm. but to be hit in the, the communal gut with this act of horror is such a blow to their core that they, they were, you know, besides the fact that they were obviously hurt and, and mourning, they were offended, they were offended that this could happen here, where they, where they breed and have been breeding for 50 years, this idea of community and love.
0: I don't know if you saw it, but the mayor of Pittsburgh, uh, there was an article. I, I read it this morning. Uh, there was an article where the mayor of Pittsburgh was visiting day schools and mm. reassuring kids that you know, that the police officers would help protect them, et cetera. Et cetera. And when he left the building, a, um, a van pulled up, and uh, a young kid handed him a vase with a flower in it. And he said, "Why are you giving this to me?" And he said, "Because we just want to show you mm. that that you know you're an important person. That you're that you're a neighbor of ours. That we love our neighbors." And the mayor was very taken by it. And he looked in the van, and there were like twenty vases with flowers. They were mm. giving them up, ra- giving them out randomly, just to wow. do what you just said—to just remind people that we're happy to be your neighbor and we're happy to be, you know, in a community with you. And uh, that may be one of the most important messages that came from here. You know, we. <laughs> You blindness. always wonder why things happen in certain areas. Yep. There's something about this community. I know everyone always talks about Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh. I right, get it. Right. And if you meet someone from here. <laughs> and Yoni might argue that any out of towner talks about their community the way people talk about Pittsburgh, but there is something, something unique in it. here. Right. It's, it's old. It's old. We're talking about congregations that go back to the mid 1800s. Right. It is well established. It is. Um, but there's
1: an X factor here.
0: And there is a big X factor. Yeah. Uh, both within and without the Jewish community. That, that's just something extra special. And, and tremendous pride. Right. I have a friend, as you know, who moved from Hoboken to Squirrel Hill, mm. lives next door. To, he joined us last time we were here, lives next door to um, a, a synagogue. And he's not from here. And he has that pride. Right. And he already is. You know, like, this is, you know, he's so... Into promoting and being so proud of this community, so there's something very special here.
1: We should also, uh, you know, taking a taking a step back, remember our experience last year at the police department. Right. Um, you know, we were we were the um, we were the messengers. We were the delivery people for beautiful artwork, children's artwork, thank you artwork. Um, that it was, was
0: both uh, Hafter and Yeshivat Noam, right?
1: Correct. And we deliver that because again we came to Pittsburgh the day after our show at Yeshivat Noam right. and Rabbi Hagler and his team quickly, you know, mobilized and we had offered to take artwork with us and they took us up on the offer and we were there and not only was it an incredibly moving moment um in the police department but there was no room for our artwork because their walls were already filled
0: and i remember when you gave your presentation you couldn't keep it together
1: no i certainly couldn't keep it together i'm barely keeping it together now and this is a year later
0: and by the way um i earlier this morning you know read the the what do we call it the proclamation the the words that are on the exhibit that we spoke about a tree of life Right next to it are the names of the victims. Mm. And then it says, with deep gratitude, we thank the Zone 4 police officers and first responders who exhibited, exhibited great bravery and selflessness. And I think that's what you mean. Yes. That people around the country felt, and the world felt the need to acknowledge them and to thank them for trying their best to uh, help everybody in that terrible situation. Yes. We're at the JCC in Pittsburgh. It's one year later, uh, a very important week. It's the Artsite this Shabbos of the victims of the attacks from last year. We have a very distinguished guest list all through the morning here at JM and the AM. Make sure to stay tuned in all morning long. And uh, we are live courtesy of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Chairman Simon Jacob, and a wonderful group of people, including our team here in Pittsburgh, and everybody uh, around the world who helps us on a daily basis, our great staff who are helping us put together today's program uh, live from the JCC. More coming up, we'll go to this selection from Yaakov Shweki at JM in the AM. <laughs>
2: תראו, הנה העולמי, הפמורודי היהודי. איזה
0: In the AM, Yaakov in a live presentation of his uh, Rachem here at JM in the AM. It is a uh, Wednesday morning, and we are in Pittsburgh. And we are here because it's one year later. And we admire the uh, community here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for the way they have presented themselves with great resilience over the last year. Uh, Miriam Wallach is here as we kick off a, a Wednesday broadcast. And uh, Miriam has pointed out, rightfully so, that today is World Kindness Day at the JCC, and well,
1: I think it's World Kindness Day.
0: Well, here it says World Kindness Day. Right, correct. Today is World Kindness Day. <laughs> but at the JCC, as
1: I am the resident expert on national holidays. <laughs> no,
0: I thought you were going to say, since you're the <laughs> na- resident, since you're the resident expert on kindness. <laughs> no, no. And I was going to say, wait a no, second. No, no. That's Settle day, down, that's everybody. a little too far. <laughs>
1: Settle down. I'm a self-appointed expert on many things.
0: Right. Well, the legal holidays. Uh, well, national the, holidays. National holidays. You're right. Anyway, so today's World Kindness Day. Yes. And there's a flyer sitting in front of me that says World Kindness. Day at the JCC, 11 a.m. this morning. Join as we participate in World Kindness Day, a nationally celebrated movement encouraging individuals and organizations to carry out good deeds and acts of kindness. Uh, they're going to be making bagged lunches for people in need today at 11 a.m. right here, where we are. So this is so great. This facility is going to be used for World Kindness Day a little later on here at the JCC. Uh, so yeah, we acknowledge and and you said no coincidence that we're here on World Kindness Day because I mean will hopefully encourage people around the world to be kinder one to the other.
1: Right. So I would say total coincidence that we're here on World Kindness Day. Okay. But as you and I and and Yoni this is something we mention all the time, God is the ultimate producer. And so we could have been here tomorrow and we could have been here yesterday, but we're not. We're here today. We
0: don't believe that there's such thing as coincidence.
1: Correct. There is there is divine providence and so many different things and we we either choose to see it or we choose to ignore it. Right. And I think that the more you see it, the more you're inspired. And in this case, that is the
0: case. Uh, I want to remind everybody about a couple of things that are going on in our community, specifically for the New York, New Jersey area, uh, that are coming up and that are in our, in our community calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, this coming, where are we here? Uh, tonight, tonight, My Game de Vida Dome first responders are going to be honored at the My Game de Vida Dome New York Gala that's happening in New York City. Uh, with special guest speaker David Makovsky. Um, information about the program, six four six three eight eight seven five zero four. This coming Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, um, Rabbi Dr. Mayer Soloveitchik speaks at the Talmud of Flatbush, part of their big winter lecture series. Starts at 8.15 p.m. on the topic of Brisk, Soloveitchik, and Begin, the Making of a world leader, information contact, the Talmud of Flatbush, as they get set for this coming Saturday night. Now, you pointed out that as we sit here in Pittsburgh, and I just mentioned my game David Adolm a moment ago, as we sit here in Pittsburgh, our brothers and sisters in Israel have been through a very challenging 24 hours. Yes. Back in the middle of the night on Monday night, Tuesday morning, Israel went ahead and assassinated a key terrorist. In the aftermath, there has been uh, activity, rockets, sirens, um, deaths, and injuries that have taken place. And um, we hope, we hope for two things in these situations that Israel has the strength to eradicate terror and those responsible for it, and at the same time, that these things go by quickly and that our brothers and sisters in Israel can get on with uh, their daily lives. Right. as calmly, peacefully, and as quickly as possible.
1: I also um, just lost my train of thought. Hold on one second. Um, nope. Okay. Just gone. The train just left the station. <laughs> I had it here. Uh, Stacey Siegel texted me, I hope you're wearing your cardigan. It's also National Cardigan Day in honor of Mr. Rogers. And I said, why, yes.
2: <laughs> That's so funny.
1: Yes, I am wearing That's my cardigan. That's actually funny. Yeah, that is... That is pretty funny. Is that
0: a coincidence that we're here on, on a day that that's associated with Mr. I, Rogers? I,
1: again, did you not hear my whole no, thing about meaning, Divine Providence? But
0: we didn't know this. Did you know this in advance that it was Cardigan Day? No. That's not only so did funny. I not
1: know that it is Cardigan Day, um, not only did I not know that it is Cardigan Day, thank you, Stacey, but um, I usually don't wear a cardigan. And right. I brought it- be- In fact,
0: you had your NSN fleece. I do. The-
1: well, that's, that's a puffer vest. I mean, vest. vest, right. That's a puffer vest. Right. Right. Um, I know where my fleece is, but I brought my puffer vest. <laughs> mine, mine You saw Yogi. that coming. Um anyway, I uh I brought the cardigan only because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have layers and it's cold out. Right. It's uh it's a, it's a beautiful
3: 20 degrees. It was
1: a beautiful 23 degrees. Yes, the cardigan matters, Yoni. Don't be Houston like over there. Don't be Houston-like.
0: Even I understand that cardigan matters. I mean, yes. It's all about layers when you're freezing. Why don't you
1: just kill your own mic over there? Exactly. You'll be fine. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, we should we should send our strength and our love, obviously, to all of our brethren in Israel. Certainly challenging to say the least. Ah, now I remember where I was Did going. Did that
0: come out, by the way, the new movie about Mr. Rogers? It's coming out at
1: the end of the month. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's coming. I think it's the 22nd, Thanksgiving weekend. something like that, or the week before.
0: Okay.
1: Um but
0: your train of thought go ahead yeah thanks
1: for derailing that again but i'm back i'm back i'm back the train is still at the station the the assassination of that terrorist right um basically the entire world needs to just thank israel for those haters who are just stunningly stunningly defending the life of this terrorist as opposed to defending the rights of israel it is Absolutely stunning to me. The um, it's insane. Every single individual or ridiculous institution or organization that is more political figure, right? That is decrying the assassination of a known terrorist is basically saying that person should be alive. Correct. No, the world thanks you, Israel, for taking care of what it already could but not. But you know do. that
0: you know that uh, preconceived notions about people do cloud people about other people do cloud people's thinking. And therefore, when it comes to Israel, I know that this isn't a major revelation, <laughs> they rarely can do anything right, if ever anything right. So they're not going to, you know, not only aren't they going, aren't they going to thank Israel and acknowledge them, they're going to condemn them. Right. I,
1: I, I agree with that, obviously. But it, it, you take it one step further when you have um, an organization in particular that considers itself a Jewish organization and has the unmitigated chutzpah to put out the Mourner's Kaddish.
0: In memory of him. In
1: memory of the terrorists. I was
0: sickened when you told me that yesterday. I was just sick. Yeah, and by you it. also
1: sort of hoped that I got it wrong. <coughs> that there was a part of you that was like, yeah, no, but, that.
0: But, but, but we've seen this before. Correct. We've seen this before in really strange circumstances. Jewish groups coming out and literally using Jewish prayers to memorialize an enemy. An, right. An, someone who's. A world enemy. A, an enemy of human beings. Correct. Of, of freedom and human beings. Correct.
1: So. So yeah, shame on those people, and we um, we send our strength to Israel. I have a feeling, Nahum, that those conversations that you and I have been having about when our, you know when's our next trip, those are probably
0: going to be accelerated.
1: Yeah, I was going to say expedited. I yeah. wonder,
0: but I wonder, I really do wonder how long this can go on. You know, Netanyahu. I mean, hate to be political here for a moment, especially on a day like today here with the JCC in Pittsburgh. But he's always had this track record. Of never really <laughs> staying in these things for too long of a time. Obviously twenty fourteen was the exception, if you call that, you know, an exception. Right. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, forty eight hours later, they're ready to just move on back and I listen, and Times take of Israel Times
1: of Israel had a piece about an hour ago um quoting Netanyahu that Islamic jihad knows Israel will keep striking with no mercy.
0: But when they stop, Israel stops. That's the problem. I don't know. Let's see what happens.
1: I don't know. Yep, stay
0: tuned. Reminder from our friends at Artscroll: Rav Chaim Kanievsky on Chumash Bracious is out. It's available. Go to artscroll.com. You get fifteen percent off and free shipping in the United States if you use the promo code Radio. Rav Chaim Kanievsky on Chumash Bracious Go to artscroll.com. Fifteen percent off and free shipping in the U.S. If you use the promo code Radio. Go to artscroll.com for information. I also, yeah, I mean, you Before, know, we Before we go to Avram Freed. Before
1: we go to Avram I also want to mention the following. Last night, we were hosted again by the
0: Butlers. Amazing people.
1: Yes, I'm still full. And Is our
0: post still up from uh, my picture with Uri Butler? That's what I want to discuss. <laughs>
1: That's what I want to discuss. You think so anybody
0: saw it? <laughs> I
1: think there are a few people who saw it, to the point where last night, <laughs> a gentleman named Josh Salman wrote, Uri Butler, when is Color War 2020? <laughs> Uri Butler just commented, Josh Salman. shh.
0: <laughs> yeah listen to the I show know. exactly
1: <laughs> Ari, i mean we could not have we showed up at the jcc last night after driving seven hours and and literally we come into the JCC we're waiting to meet Ashley and who's the first person we see? Uri, Uri Butler, king like of, King of the JCC. Not to be believed that he was literally just sitting there and and you know he obviously was there for another reason. Yeah, but he was our greeting committee. He was our greeting committee. There's no better welcome than that from Uri Butler. Um
0: I it, don't think I, I don't think it's a bad thing for me to mention on the air. I think it's cute that when I um when I um was speaking to Nina Butler, Dr. Nina Butler, about coming to Pittsburgh. Mm. At one point, she says, Well, we've told Uri that you're coming. So I wrote back. I said to her, Now, I really, now we really right. have to show up. Right. So she said, Well, if you don't, you're going to be inundated <laughs> by emails and texts about where you are already. And, so. and of course,
1: what was the conversation last night? <laughs> Task 33. Time
0: for music 33. <laughs> has Ellie Gerstner seen the has seen the post yet? Or we don't know.
1: I, you know what? It's funny because he's usually, I'm going to have to just, I'm just going to have to WhatsApp him because he hasn't commented yet.
0: I guess he's been busy preparing. It's possible. He may have also resented the fact that we were convening now with we Lori Butler with to have him. a yes. meeting about the Hess concert. Yes, yes,
1: it's possible.
0: All right, more coming up. We're at the JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania one year later. The JCC is for everyone. That's a sign that's on their building, and that's a feeling that you get in this building when you're here. It's for everyone, both in the Jewish and the general community of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is a very special place, and they suffered a tremendous tragedy last year, as we know. Uh, the yard site of the victims is this coming Shabbos, and we ask everybody out there to remember that this coming Shabbos at the Mizrahi in Manhattan, we are commemorating uh, the yard site with a kiddush is coming Shabbos for a variety of reasons. One of them is the uh, is for the victims of the uh, Tree of Life massacre uh, last uh, last year. So please let's remember our brothers and sisters, and let us um, and stay tuned here at JM and the AM as we present a very interesting lineup of people who have been dealing. With all the things we've been talking about over the last year. More coming up at JM and the AM. <laughs>
4: Al-Amm-echo, al amm in in mishkan Mishkan kipu yidecho tzivu lu altsi istifartainu al tzi in mishkan mishkan Wie ein Ziege, ich kann nur bis gar nicht mehr wo ich shkan lek ye voyde dozbul be sti farteinu <speaking> el rahin le khast kholam khatsure <Hebrew> ay 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 alu beto zaneinu <speaking> yo oy rahin le <Hebrew> khast La ciyoy diskan kevo ite kho sulbe istifarte oy lahte laste kho la ciyoy la la yoyo la la No, I'm not to bring. I'm I'm not Reign, oh, you, 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 you,
0: That's out from Free JM in the AM on a uh, Wednesday morning from the JCC in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One year later, we are back as the art site is being commemorated this coming Shabbos. I'm sitting in front of the Stronger Than Hate symbol that we spoke of earlier, the Steel City Steeler symbol, uh, the one that has the uh, Magin David, that has the Star of David at the top, and I'm uh, sitting in front of it, and and, and the, uh, the logos that were created and the slogans that became popular, Stronger excuse me, stronger than hate and many others are still up all over the place here in Pittsburgh. And we're at the JCC, an extremely uh, inclusive um, center of the Pittsburgh Jewish community, with a big thank you to uh, Officer Mike, who was here this morning helping us out, to uh, the Director of Security, Paul, to Kathy Samuels, the Chief Development and Communications Officer here at the JCC, who made sure we'd be very comfortable here this morning. And a big thank you to the Jewish Unity Initiative and its chairman, Simon Jacob, for recognizing the importance of coming back and bringing the message of resilience to the worldwide Jewish community through what we've seen here and are experiencing here in Pittsburgh and specifically at the uh, JCC, where we are this morning. Um, we are going to get, as we keep saying, to a uh, voluminous and uh, distinguished guest list. You Okay. It seemed cold. Yes. I think they've turned the air conditioning on in here, and it's 20 degrees outside. Yes. Uh, we'll get to that uh, distinguished guest list coming up here at JM in the AM. And um, we'll be here until 9 o'clock Eastern time, then head back to New York City. More coming up. 6 o'clock hour, set to be concluded. From the JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you're listening to JM in the AM. Victims of um, the 18th of Marrakesh Fund one year ago. We are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania That Shomer done by Uziat Sadok, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and and the AlchemSigel Network and of course in the beloved NSN app. You know, some of our listeners really get it right. Um... Sometimes I think it's worth traveling to Pittsburgh just to get these types of reactions because some of our listeners sum it up so well. First of all, Shviger, who he knows, <laughs> says, Boker tov and yashikach to you all for doing this amazing broadcast. Thank you. I know a lot of people feel that way.
1: Good morning, Sina.
0: And then this one is, Good morning from Kemp Mill in Silver Spring, Maryland. Our thoughts are with you in Pittsburgh as they are with Israel on this, the second day of missiles attacks from Gaza. Yitzchak in Kemp Mill, Maryland. Thank you. And Thank like you. I said, some of our listeners get it. They get it, and they get it really well, and I thank them very much for participating. Uh, those of you just tuning in, yes, we're in Pittsburgh, believe it or not. One year later, with a big thank you to the Jewish Unity Initiative and our chairman, Mr. Simon Jacob, for making it possible for us to be here this morning, literally to take Tuesday and Wednesday and dedicate these 48 hours to a three-hour broadcast, one that I believe is um, is going to be very uh, poignant for a lot of people who are tuned in. This guest list the majority of these people are lifelong Pittsburgh people. The majority of these people, of course, if not all of them, we'd have to think it through, were here last year and really suffered with their friends and neighbors through the aftermath of um, of what happened last year. And now it's a year later, and a lot of these people are helping members of the community rebound from all of this.
1: And we also need to thank, as we always do while we're on the road, our families who enable us to do this, to do what only... We do at the Nachum Seedle Network, which is bringing this kind of programming to our listeners. So I think my family, that is for sure. Um, I think Stacy and your family, <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but certainly none of what we would do, none of what we do is possible without them.
0: It's funny because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to believe. That it really does take 48 hours to do this three-hour show. Oh, for sure. So we are saying to family and, frankly, to all our other commitments at work, Mm -hmm. we are saying, you know what, we are literally taking 48 hours or or whatever exactly the figure might be. Let's say, for argument's sake, from 9 a.m. on Tuesday till, I don't know what's going to be, 9 p.m. tonight, you know, so 36 hours. We're literally taking all that time. And 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 dedicating all of it just so we could present these three hours and meet some really interesting people who are doing some wonderful things on behalf of uh, our greater community.
1: Well, I got an email yesterday, or l- late last night, from Moshe Kindler, who um, from the Jewish Link. Who's... What do we
0: call him, publisher, publisher, I guess, of the Jewish Link. Yeah, right?
1: and he said, uh, "Weren't you guys supposed to be a kosher fest?" <laughs> and I said, "It became a it became a total impossibility once." We realized how much earlier we needed to be in Pittsburgh than we initially expected. Thank
0: God we did that. Thank God we, we did. We learned that lesson last and,
1: night. Um, and yeah, we are, you know, we got here in time. And
0: and you've just given me an opportunity to thank Mark Zamek. Yes. And Naomi Nachman mm-hmm. and ZK and everybody who was at Kosher Fest to represent us, to really represent us well at the Kosher Food Industry Show and to uh, present what I am sure is going to be a fun informative and really incredible uh broadcast this coming friday morning 9 a.m friday morning will be naomi's program from Kosherfest, and yoni reminds me that it's going to be a supersized show which means it's going to go for 90 minutes this coming friday starting at 9 a.m eastern time and i believe maggie feinstein is with us and maggie's director of the 1027 healing partnership i thank you very much for being here this morning
5: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, can I assume you're a lifelong Pittsburgher or, or a yep. transplant? <laughs> no, nope, that's
5: a good assumption. I'm a lifelong Pittsburgher here in Squirrel Hill.
0: And I wonder, um, because I was saying earlier, I, I have friends that have moved out here, mm-hmm. and after a few years they take such great pride in this neighborhood, <laughs> which is so unusual, like they have adopted the neighborhood as their own and have forgotten about New York and New Jersey. <laughs> uh, but I would, I would imagine that for you lifelongers, this was an even, an even more... Um, a difficult experience, maybe put it that way, uh, of what happened a year ago, yeah. and um, and for those people like yourself who never thought that this community would ever suffer at the hands of a madman like that, of a terrorist like that, mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts about this community um, and its historic role in the Jewish, in the greater Jewish community, and then you know putting all this together with what happened a year ago.
5: That's a lot. Oh, um, yeah. So I think that, you know, the first thing I would say is that as a lifelong Pittsburgher, so not, you know, I'm not raising my children here and on both sides of their family, all four of their great-grandparents grew up in Squirrel Hill also. Wow. So, you know, we have very deep roots and that's sort of how Pittsburgh is frequently. And even with that, until I took the job at 1027 Healing Partnership and until I started working in the recovery efforts, I didn't realize some of the amazing things people are doing to track history to be able to track the neighborhood to really understand the community and the fabric of the community and it's been really inspirational to me. we
0: mentioned this earlier people forget we're talking about already a vibrant community in the mid-1800s yeah which is unbelievable and so yeah. and so different compared to some other areas of the united states that are not used to that type of of history um so all this all this occurs over all these decades and, and you just pointed out the deep roots that you and so many others have and we're going to meet other guests this morning that have deep roots in this area as well and then this happens a year ago and we'll get to 1027 in your official role in a minute but this happens a year ago and it must be i i, I know that every community school uh, institution that suffers this type of trauma uh, i understand that all of them you know have a high level of trauma but it it seems to me that because of the reputation the reputation of the quiet, peaceful, friendly, Mr. Rogers, all this here, it it, it may have even been a deeper wound for everybody here.
5: Yeah, you know, I think trauma is always unique. Um, It's one of the things about trauma. And I think that, you know, it's not just about what happens, it's the context in which it happens. And that is something about trauma that happens everywhere. But I think that in terms of the context, what we have here is very unique, absolutely. And I think both the sense of safety, but also the sense that, we all went to every synagogue, right? They were all right. ours. That the, that every house you know that is around the synagogue is still known by the people who have lived there for the last hundred years.
0: And it seems Jew and non-Jew alike <laughs> oh, are yeah. all familiar with with the institutions. Uh, we're speaking with Maggie Feinstein, director of 1027 Healing Partnership. What were what was your role in this community before 1027 came along?
5: Just a member of the community. You know, I grew up in this building in the Jewish Community Center here, and. I've been raising my kids, coming to the clubhouse, going to the school here, going to the synagogues here, but I was working as a mental health professional in another neighborhood prior to 1027.
0: And how did this develop? How does how, how do we go from this traumatic experience to let's get an organized healing effort here on behalf of the community?
5: And that takes a lot of work because you have to imagine, right, a community that suffers such significant trauma to the entire fabric of the community trying to make a response effort. Right. <clears throat> and so... We had amazing partners through the federal government. They send contractors to be able to advise us on what to do because no community knows exactly what to do. But what Pittsburgh really had that was amazing is like you were talking about before, these, these networks that have existed for 100 years were able to really go into full swing. And so our major Jewish institutions, the Jewish Community Center, our Jewish Federation, our Jewish Family um, Community Services, JFCS, were able to immediately start partnering working on what's the response going to look like. And so the federal contractor said, get all the stakeholders to the table and start talking, start working. And in our community, that means that they did that every week for this last year.
6: Right. Every
5: single week, all those, all those stakeholders getting together saying, what, is, what do we see? Let's have the hard conversations about what are we going to do? Let's make sure that we're not leaving people behind. Let's build something that's thoughtful. And so that's what they did. And they eventually hired me. And here we are. Um, and so, in other communities, this is called a resiliency center, um, and that's sort of the generic name. But then we renamed it the 1027 Healing Partnership as that big group of stakeholders.
0: Could you give me a couple of examples of things that developed that became either programs or, you know, out, outreach methods to members of the community specifically because of 1027?
5: Um, so in terms of outreach methods that, you know, what we've found is that we still operate in very informal networks within the community. So going into the synagogues, getting within community groups, neighborhood groups, um, the youth groups, those are really the the best channels for outreach that, that we, we notice that people don't go online to find their information. They still go to our Jewish Chronicle, our newspaper, (laughs) you know, and, and look to see what the events calendar is going to be. It's one of the things that you know I think we haven't changed very much in how This building
0: like. by the way is very important for all that, right? Oh, you gosh, walk yes. in here, you're getting a wealth of information and really feeling the support of the community, the energy the vibrancy, right? We're in yeah. a community that's not being uh, identified by what happened a year ago. We're in a community that's moving forward with programs and and, uh, and happenings that are amazing.
5: It's amazing. I mean, I, and I grew up in this building and what you'll see as you're sitting here over the next two hours, you'll see the children coming for their early childhood center. You'll see the seniors starting to come for silver sneakers and coming for lunch. Everybody's sort of here together. And the thing about it is that, and then downstairs there's fitness, everybody's here coming, and, you know, the, that's a whole community gathering down there, right. too. I can
6: <laughs> but what
5: we find, and one of the reasons for the 1027 Healing Partnership was really this idea that all of that's well when we're feeling well, but where do you go when you don't feel well? How do you find space to be sad, angry, the emotions that are healthy to be feeling? And so we have a little corner upstairs that is redesigned and has a little bit of a reimagined way to allow people to gather, reflect, connect with each other when they're feeling emotionally vulnerable.
0: Because you need a physical space to do that. Exactly. And support groups, I assume, and one-on-one encounters, all those would take place in an area like that.
5: Yes, but not as much one-on-one. You know, we're not really looking to recreate therapy. We have amazing therapy through our JFCS. We have amazing therapy in our community for independent practitioners. What we don't really have is a place for people to come cry on the cup of coffee, talk about, you know, the, the young people to come talk about what it feels like to grow up where they don't feel safe going to school, going to synagogue, walking on the street. Right. Um, and so we really have to figure out a way to evolve with the needs as they change. So don't get not getting too stuck in any one program, any one support group, listening, engaging, hearing what people are looking for, and then trying to respond.
0: I think just the existence of 1027 the healing partnership is a tremendous comfort to people in general, that they know it's there, mm-hmm. even if they don't take advantage of it completely, or they'd rather do the fun stuff as opposed to yeah. you know, crying with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I think just the fact that it exists helps the community move forward.
5: Absolutely. You know, one of the things we know with trauma is that any door is a good door, mm. but what you don't want to do is you don't want to get stuck, right? And so any door is a good door. And so it's nice because it adds a door. Whether or not people need it, we'll see, but that they, it's nice they know it's there. And it's a door they can walk through, and that we really welcome anybody to come through.
0: Maggie Feinstein's with us, director of the 1027 Healing Partnership. We always are under this impression that the youth has their own resiliency, that mm. young people have this ability to bounce back. With that in mind, however, this was a very serious episode yeah. with tre- tremendous trauma and, and obviously with, with uh, you know, so many people, families, and the entire community being affected. Um, do you notice that the younger people might have more difficulty rebounding from this? Are you, is it necessary for you to, and, and you know, your team to go into schools and pay attention because you've heard from teachers and principals that there are groups of kids that are really having trouble bouncing back?
5: Absolutely. I think that the kids are having trouble bouncing back. I think that most importantly, parents are having trouble bouncing back with, in terms of <coughs> raising resilient teens, what we know is that they, we have to be able to teach them how to be healthy adults. We have to teach them how to have their own survival skills. We have to teach them how to feel safe in this world. And that's hard right now. And so as parents, we're struggling on how to tell our kids, yes, we believe you're safe, and to make them feel sense of safety. And that's really important for us to do as parents because we can't expect our kids to be as resilient Right. If we're constantly in the place of fear,
0: does being Jewish affect these kids? Knowing that uh, all these victims were victims only because they were Jews is that a another piece to this that's uh, that that's you know troubling to the young people because you know they they themselves might have safety issues you know in terms of their own psyche because. They know the only reason these people were killed was because they were Jewish.
5: It's a yes and, right? I think that there, is a, there was a feeling that that was not the reason that we were seeing as much violence. But I think that our community has been very aware that violence and that, unfortunately, a lot of gun violence has happened within our city. And that we are not the first people to experience even hate-induced gun violence, but that for us, the Jewish community of Pittsburgh, this is the first time that we've experienced anything on this scale. And
0: so high profile
5: <laughs> and, the scale and
0: international. Is... And again, everyone knowing the Jews had the targets on them.
5: Absolutely. So, you know, I think that, that for our young people, the feeling of safety and the feeling of, especially for our more religious community, whether or not identifying ourselves as something of pride or whether it's something of fear is something that I think a lot of young people are talking about. I don't know that anybody's changed their behaviors. Right. I think that it's something that's just more on the front of your mind. No
0: one's homebound because of it. I hope Thank not. God. We, we hope so.
5: If they are, they know where to come. Right, exactly. Please come to me.
0: You know, those of us who have suffered loss know that a first anniversary is really, really significant. I could speak uh, to that from personal experience. How important is it now that it's past a year?
5: Well, you know, as you know, that... In our community, that's one of the things that separates us from other communities who's, who've experienced this communal trauma experience because we have two and first anniversaries, unfortunately, right. right? We have our secular anniversary, which is past, and then we have our yard site, which is coming this week.
2: Right.
5: So um, I think the fact that there was sort of the outward facing, and then now this is much more, this weekend is much more about our communities coming together, remembering, reflecting, being together. But the 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 fact that we have two first year anniversaries right. is unlike any other community.
0: I just wonder if people are anticipating getting this weekend over with already, getting past the one year, and just you know using that as a demarcation to to, to move on even more than they have over the last few months.
5: Yeah, you know, I think I think people are. I think that um, especially getting past ten twenty seven, and the, now now right. getting past you know this weekend in the yard site. And I think that the question is, what's on the other side, right? How do we listen? How do we evolve? How do we make sure that we don't get stuck in that first year and what was true then? And really listen for year two. What do people need? What's our opportunities for growth? How do we build on that? It doesn't have to just be recovery. It can be growth. It can be opportunities to build new relationships, to start something new. So hopefully in year two, we're able to foster that and give opportunities to people to think through those things.
0: Have, a lots, ha, have many of your programs over the last few months been uh, communal programs on these topics? Uh, are these things that you, you know, we see a, an unbelievable array of programming here at the JCC, a lot of positive stuff in many mm-hmm. different areas, whether it be religious, secular, etc., and a lot of fun stuff have you through 1027 put together programs that where people come and i don't know hear lectures or presentations specifically on these issues
5: yeah you know i think that we have talked a lot about some of the heavier topics this year mm. about trauma about recovery about resilience about and um, you're giving
0: people opportunity to participate
5: yeah and so then you know for me looking at the the work of the 1027 healing partnership especially in this coming year it's really about ways to practice new things that we maybe hadn't done before. And so we're going to actually have an event coming up in December where we're going to invite in wellness practitioners to come and just share, almost in a TED style, what is it to practice acupuncture? What is it to practice mindfulness? What is it to practice different kinds of therapy? And people can learn about it and think, maybe this is for me.
0: Interesting. And if it it works the same way that... uh, Uh, that, uh, you know, fitness and exercise works, implementing these things in one's life can really be a life-changing experience. It can bring a lot of peace and calm to somebody.
5: Yeah, and I really, you know, strongly, in the the work of the 1027 Healing Partnership, we believe that that there is post-traumatic growth opportunities, that after trauma, we don't just have to recover. Sometimes that we do get an opportunity to look at things from a new angle, to be able to find new ways to do things. And so we have to build opportunity for people to see that and come along with us.
0: Well, we really appreciate you joining us here today. This is, a, uh, this is a, it's such an important anniversary, we believe that's why we're back. That's why we're back here with the, uh, with the yard set coming up this Shabbos. And um, I, I think people like yourself have been put, have been put in, unique, in a unique situation where you get an opportunity to help people rebound and really give them the encouragement they need to get to the point that they need to get to. And, as I'm sure you would agree, sometimes it takes time. For many people, they're not there yet, but hopefully they're on the road to getting there.
5: Absolutely. And I believe that they'll come along with us. And people can go to our website, which also has a lot of information, www.1027healingpartnership.org. It has resources for parents who are curious about some of the things we talked about or for teens. So please come back.
0: That could probably help, by the way, that website. Uh, principals, rabbis around the country who who have you know sh- smaller scale, let's put it that way, traumatic experiences in their community that could study what you've done and might be able to implement some of that in their own uh, in their own neighborhoods.
5: Absolutely, definitely. Hopefully. Thank you
0: very much. Thank a pleasure you. meeting you. It was a pleasure meeting you, <laughs> you too. I appreciate Thank you for that. Maggie me. Feinstein is director of the 1027 Healing Partnership, and um, the <coughs> the yard side, as we know, is this coming Shabbos. For the victims of the uh, of the attack last year, and as you heard, there are many, many ways that people are helping others rebound um, from the trauma of last year, and we're going to explore more of them coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
4: Shamoshen mussen go. the you I'm gonna my El <laughs> kain
2: Don't
0: J.M. in the A.M. We're here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This coming Shabbos, of course, is the yard site of those who uh, were murdered in the greatest massacre against the Jewish community, specifically the Jewish community, in the history of this country. We're here in Pittsburgh at the JCC, and our Ron Simons is with us. He's Senior uh, Director of um, uh, Jewish Life here at the JCC in Pittsburgh. A pleasure to welcome you to J.M. in the A.M. Thank you. Welcome to the JCC. Thank you very much. I love the fact that you walk into this JCC and the first thing you see is a sign that says everyone is welcome here. Yeah. And I think that that sums up. By the way, are you a lifelong Pittsburgher?
7: No, I, uh, I grew up on Long Island. Oh, that's actually. pretty cool. L- Linbrook.
0: And here for how long?
7: Uh, Fourteen years. Oh, that's
0: now. nice. You, I, as I was saying earlier, there are people I know that have been here for just a couple of years who've adopted this as if it's their hometown. That's right. There's something about Squirrel Hill that's so special.
7: There's something about Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh—the mix of culture, of education, of a uh, eastern city with midwestern values. Um, it's been a great place to raise our kids. And
0: I, I cite the sign from outside because there are JCCs around this country where frankly it doesn't seem like they're, they're ready to, or its circumstances may be, that they're just not open to everybody or people don't take advantage of right. it. And here it seems that both the Jewish and general community use this as a real central point of life in this neighborhood.
7: So here's the thing about where we're sitting right now. Um, just to describe it for everybody, we're, we're in the palm court in the gallery of the JCC. Uh, our JCC here is located on Forbes and Murray, the Squirrel Hill branch. We have another one in the South Hills. We also have a, an overnight summer camp in Morgantown, West Virginia, and a day camp in a family park in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, which is just about 13 miles to the east. This JCC, this location, is the town square of Squirrel Hill. And Squirrel Hill, which used to be the um, the Jewish neighborhood, as in all the Jews lived here, still has maintained its Jewish character, but it's diversified. Somewhere in the area of 20% of the population of Squirrel Hill Uh, are Asians. And um, I can tell you that in our early childhood center that we have somewhere over 15 or so native languages that are spoken (laughs) in homes. Um, People come here to the JCC because of our mission. We uh, nurture people, connect community. We do it every day throughout the ages. And we are inspired by Jewish values. And people of all different backgrounds, all different faiths, all different cultures, all different ethnicities, all different skin tones uh, consider the JCC to be their home.
0: Well, look, we love visiting institutions that are clearly open to every member of the Jewish community. It's an added bonus, the way you just described it, for everyone in this neighborhood who takes advantage of it. Um, what, look, we, we, we are here because we're here a year later. We were here during Shiva last year uh, broadcasting this is a little bit of a different type of show because we are now reflecting on a year. Uh, what was this building like One year ago, what was it like in the aftermath of this terrible massacre and such a tragedy for the Jewish community?
7: So let's actually begin um, on October 26. What was this building like? What we just described, what you just highlighted, uh, is what this building is like. It is a a place where everyone comes and gathers. From a very physical point of view, the challenge that we had is um, the space that we're in was under construction. Mm. Uh, And so... uh, I actually uh, arrived here. Well, let me let me let me paint the picture of October twenty seventh. A big part of my work here at the JCC is I run the Center for Loving Kindness and Civic Engagement. And believe it or not, great name. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Believe it or not, like any good reform rabbi, uh, I was doing church on Saturday morning. Uh, There was an interfaith conference on environmentalism. And that was uh, that was what I thought would would be the best way to do my avodah to do my uh, my sacred work uh, on uh, on that day. Uh, as it so happens, I had forgotten my papers here on my desk before going to that church, which is in the South Hills. So I had to come back into Squirrel Hill in order to uh,
8: in order to gather those. You.
7: Yeah. As I made a left turn from Braddock Street onto Forbes Avenue at 9:52 a.m. Uh, I was overtaken uh, by two police cars uh, coming from behind me. And then on the corner of Shady and the corner of Murray... Which is um, basically
0: where we are in right now. Where we are, right. just about about two right. blocks away,
7: ambulances began to pass by. Mm. I pulled into the JCC. I said, what happened? And everyone knew what had happened. Everyone, you know, the, the people that were in fitness and whatnot. And I can tell you that on October 27th, um, we became uh, what we knew that we always were, Um, that we were always prepared for. Here's the thing about the JCC. There are different ways that you can accentuate the letters. It could be JCC or it could be JC for community. Community Community is our middle name. So from 10 a.m. on uh, October 27th, we lived up to our mission. We lived up to our middle name. We lived up to our core values Um, all throughout. That day, this space, this building, um, began to be the response center for everything that needed to happen um, in the community. Including
0: FBI, government officials, everything.
7: Just upstairs, uh, down the hall from my office, the FBI, the Salvation Army, the American Red Cross, the city, the county, the state, the federal government, the Israeli Knesset, all set up offices at some point over the course of those first two weeks. Wow. Um, we had uh, people here in this space, in Levinson Hall, who just needed to be together. It's where Jewish Family and Community Services came to offer their counseling, where the Center for Victims came to offer its counseling, where the Jewish Federation began to do its work out of. Um, and it, 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 was, um, it was shocking, um, and as you look back on it, it was inspiring that um, we have a place where people could gather and could be. Um this did serve its purpose as the town square at that moment and then beyond as um as the hub of the, the work that needs to happen uh to make sure that everyone is safe emotionally, that community has space to gather, that we have um we have the pieces in place to be a resilient community. Rabbi Ron Simons is here. Now a <clears throat> couple of things. You're
0: Role here specifically for seniors for the uh, for the t- describe your role here at the JCC. Ah, good.
7: <laughs> so my uh, my overall job is I'm the senior director of Jewish life for the oh, JCC in general. in general, right? So um, I um I, I serve as uh, as one of seven uh, people on the senior management team for the JCC at large. Um, also just to give you a sense, uh, every year 1.3 million people visit the JCC. Um, it, it's a it's a really large operation, that's a part of the fabric of, of community in all different kinds of ways. I, uh, I have a dotted line to every department. I try to help them figure out what the J is. Um, how do we do that organically? I love that, by the way,
0: because, again, not every JCC does that. But it's right. obvious that, the, that this, as a spiritual and religious center, is important to everybody here.
7: Right. So I do, uh, I do all that kind of programmatic work to help departments to build up their, their Jewish in an organic way. Um, And the biggest work that I do is I am the founding director of the Center for Loving, Kindness, and Civic Engagement. We are redefining neighbor from a geographic term to a moral concept. We started doing that work uh, back two and a half years ago, uh, back in 2017, um, trying to redefine neighbor, using love your neighbor as yourself, using do not stand idle while your neighbor bleeds, in order to figure out how can we take the values that are so inherently apart of who the Jewish community is, has, and will be, and to share those with the community at large. Um, Not in a proselytization type of way, but to find like-minded people who say that we wanna move people of good intention to good action.
0: All right, we have half a minute. Um, Tell me the reaction from other religious leaders to what happened in this community last year. What did you hear from your colleagues of other religions?
7: It's not just what we heard, it's how we were. It's how we are. Um, We are now, there's a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We are now at the center, the Center for Love and Kindness, uh, along with Christian Associates of Southwest Pennsylvania, is at the center of a network of over 500 interfaith leaders who have said, we're not going to put up with hate, who have said that we believe that there's more that unites us than divides us, even as we celebrate our individuality. And appreciate that individuality. I, I
0: really think a lot of this is unique to this area of the country, in my, in my opinion, but you're doing amazing work. Thank, Thank you, Rabbi Simon. It's a I pleasure meeting that. you. Thank you so much. Rabbi Ron Simon, Senior Director of Jewish Life here at the JCC. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas are of and and Esther And of course, the words this morning are in memory of those who were murdered one year ago this coming Shabbos. Here's Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk.
8: Good morning. We read in Tehillim, the Psalms of David. The nations have entered into your inheritance. They have defiled the sanctuary of your holiness. The 18th day of Cheshven marks an infamous day in history when the Nazi leader Hermann Goering announced that in order to solve the problem of the Jews, he wanted to deport 4 million European Jews. The Nazis massacred 20,000 Jews in Pinsk. On the 18th day of Cheshven, Rabbi Meir Kahana, defender of the Jewish nation, was assassinated. On the 18th day of Cheshven, the entire world was rocked with a massacre that took place at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A quiet and peaceful synagogue service led by its spiritual mentor Rabbi Myers, where the only desire of the dedicated worshippers was sim shalom, there should be world peace, l'sakein olom b'machu shakai, to effect a tikkun olam, It was devastated by a horrific attack. A virulent anti-Semite, heavily armed, launched a crusade, not merely on the sacred martyrs in the specific synagogue, not only on the Jewish community. This was a strike, Against all of humanity, there is no member of a civilized society that can believe or feel that this was not a personal attack against him or her as well. Eleven individuals lost their lives on that day because of a deranged individual with hatred in his soul. He shouted, all Jews must die, a mantra that has been repeated too often over the generations. It is especially poignant to note the advanced age of one of the martyred victims whose life was cut short on this earthly world, 97-year-old Rose Malinger, a true woman of valor, a Holocaust survivor who had lived through the winds of the war, someone who heard in her youth, all Jews must die, but endured and met with strength and courage the challenges and tribulations in her life. Good people of all faiths throughout the world have to proclaim their solidarity with the people in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our sages tell us that nothing in this world happens by chance. Indeed, this week's Torah reading, and in fact, the very Shabbos that the massacre took place, includes the details of Akedas Yitzchak, the sacrifice of Isaac, the concept, of dying al Kiddush Hashem to sanctify God's name. There is no question that the congregants who died with the words of their faith on their lips on the Holy Shabbos within the walls of the synagogue are Kedoshim, holy martyrs that died al Kiddush Hashem. Just as the martyrs in the times of the Temple, the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, the Holocaust, and victims of terrorists around the world. We read in Parshas era. Behold a ram afterwards caught in the thicket by its horns. The Medrash tells us, Avraham Avinu, Abraham, struggled to free the ram from the bushes, but as soon as he disentangled the animal, it ran away and once again became entangled in the bushes. As soon as he disentangled, this happened a number of times until Avraham Avinu was able to bring the ram as a sacrifice. The Sefer B's Yitzchok comments that Abraham, Avraham Avinu, was being told of the future of the Jewish nation. Throughout its existence, B'nai Yisrael has likewise been captive in successive exiles. Babylonia to Media, Greece to Rome, Spanish Inquisition, Russia, Holocaust, Germany, Poland. The message of the prophecy was that just as the ram emerged whole from its predicament, with its horns intact, the Jewish nation too will emerge from all the diasporas, perfect and whole. Around the entire world, we take an example from the great people of Pittsburgh who have emerged with greater strength, greater resolve, and greater faith, Emuna Shalema. May Pittsburgh, the city of bridges, Inspire the development of bridges throughout the world, bridges of hope, faith, and peace. Hashem imochem. May God be with you.
0: Rabbi Goldwasser, we cannot thank you enough for those words. Uh, They've added so much to our journey here in our broadcast from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the reference to Pittsburgh as a city of bridges and encouraging everyone to continue to bridge the gap between uh, all people of our community and all faiths in general. A wonderful message this morning. Uh, Professor Lori Eisenberg is with us here at the JCC in Greater Pittsburgh. She's Professor of History at Carnegie Mellon. There is uh, something that we spoke about about an hour ago on the air that we passed last night that's being referred to as windscreens on the fence, being referred to as a sidewalk gallery. It is literally um, on the site of last year's massacre at Tree of Life. And it's uh, it's, um, being shown, or you can see it rather, on the fence that surrounds that property. Professor Lori Eisenberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. A pleasure to have you here. you got to tell us how this developed. I mean, I know that one of the saddest parts physically for this community must have been seeing the synagogue closed, seeing it uninhabited, essentially, and all the terrible things that needed to be taking place after this terrible tragedy. How did we get to the point where last night people like us are seeing these inspiring scenes and phrases along the fence of Tree of Life.
9: Um, You're right, it was very painful for us to see uh, the synagogue site uh, abandoned, empty uh, perimeter fence around it to keep people uh, away from the uh, immediate uh, doors and windows. And uh, these really uh, ugly blue tarps (laughs) that were hanging along the perimeter fence and it just gave off an image that said this place is empty and abandoned and closed for business and that's not who we are and the neighborhood has been too loving and supportive of us for us to be comfortable being an eyesore a blight on the uh on the street so we decided we needed to do something to uh, make it reflect the vitality that we still have and the spirit and the vitality of the 11 people whom we lost.
0: How did you get involved in the whole project?
9: Um, I live about a block and a half from there. I walk my dog by there every night, and I heard some of our neighbors kind of asking Kind of hesitantly. So, how long are those <laughs> tarps going to be, <laughs> be up there? And uh, we realized the answer is it could be two or three years uh, until you know whatever construction we're doing is is done and we're literally open for business on that site again. And we had been struck by how much artwork we received in the aftermath of the uh, massacre and continue to receive. Um,
0: In the thousands,
9: right? Well, well, not thousands. I'm talking about literal pieces of big oh, artwork, things it. that are framed, paintings and prints, uh, sculptures, knitted things, fabric arts, uh, quilts, uh, tile mosaics. It had really impressed us how many people turned to art uh, to express really deep feelings, and um, we were looking at those. You know, you saw the length Mm -hmm. of that fence, right? Um, And we thought, wow, these are literally blank canvases. And what do you do with a blank canvas? Uh, And we decided you put art on it. (laughs) So we put out a call for uh, young artists, age 18 and under, to create original pieces of artwork uh, which expressed... Um, beauty, faith, community, resilience, healing, strength, optimism, uh, and we had them upload it to us via website in digital form. And then we had a wonderful... Um,
0: nationwide response, right? Yeah,
9: we had a terrific nationwide response. We got uh, 224 pieces of artwork 108, I believe, 108 of which came from students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida.
0: Unbelievable.
9: And their, uh, their attack had happened only in February. Right. So they were only a few months behind us. So we got this beautiful, uplifting artwork. We worked with a terrific uh, ad agency who pro bono just said they were honored to be part of this campaign and they designed what looks like uh, a framed art gallery that runs the length of the street and we pop the uh, pieces of artwork into the frames right it
0: really is beautiful uh professor lori eisenberg is with us talking about this amazing okay we'll call it exhibit for a moment that you'll see the tree of life perimeter there's something significant here um if that building would have remained and and, and and its perimeter would have remained the way the neighbors didn't enjoy looking at it, in a way, some might have considered that a slight victor, a slight victory for the for the terrorist, uh, because look, he he has shut down a synagogue, you know, and, and God forbid that that should be the case, and it looks like it shut down. I, I wonder about the dichotomy between the makeshift memorial. People who come out were like we were here a year ago during Shiva, and you see thousands of flowers and pieces of art and real makeshift art, you know, stuff drawn on the spot, many by students who you know who were here or had sent it along, and you have that, and then and then a year later you have an organized, strong, what seems to be and looks strong statement against this terrorist and against hate that now sits in an organized fashion on the fence. I think comparing the two is fascinating, a year apart.
9: I I agree with you, and we were aware of that. I I don't know if you saw if you got out of your car, but the items that we retrieved from the makeshift memorial are now arranged in a new memorial behind a bank of glass doors. And from outside the synagogue, you can still see them. And... I think when people come to pay their respects or to visit the site and they look first at the memorial, which was the spontaneous outpouring of, of well-wishers, and then move along the length of the fence, which you're right, is a year later. It's an organized mm-hmm. response. And I think it speaks. It has a strength to it also. Absolutely. Uh, we're saying, you know, we did not choose to be attacked. We did not choose to uh, have this you know, terrible name recognition around the world now, but we get to choose how to respond to it. And our response was to be strong, was to choose life and positivity and beauty and hope and optimism. Um, the artwork has come from people of all, uh, faiths and, uh, we derive no small sense of satisfaction from knowing that our perpetrator would absolutely hate the vitality, Correct. the love, the <laughs> intercommunal relations. Well
0: said. I think the perpetrator would hate the energy that's in this building right now, frankly. Absolutely. <laughs> I
9: will tell you that this community, this Jewish community here has never been stronger. There is so much activity There are meetings going on, decisions being made, vision. Uh, We're going to create something uh, new and positive and really kind of cutting edge for the 21st century on that site uh, that is really going to serve this community well. And we want people to look and see what we've done. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the... The the sites that come after us until we figure out in this country how to stop these kinds of things, uh, we're not going to let them beat us, and we're going to be a good community for one another and uh, continue moving forward.
0: Tremendous! Are you a lifelong Pittsburgher? I am actually. I, I like asking about the perspective of people like yourself who are here from birth and have now gone through this, have gone through this episode for which Pittsburgh is now internationally known. <laughs>
9: Well, I'll tell you, I know there's the Stanley Cup and the World Series and there's the <laughs> Super, Bowl. Super Bowl and, you know, it's all very nice. But I have never been more proud to be from Pittsburgh and more proud of the strength and the spirit of this city than I have been in the last year. Wow. Amazing. Can I add something please, for you, your, for for sure. your our listeners, please? Um, there is uh, a website where we have created an online gallery of all 224 images that we received. There's oh. only 101 of them that are, that displayed. are displayed up on the fence. They're print- and, that, and
0: that was literally a space issue, right? That's a what, literally that's what fit a there. space issue, right. yes.
9: And, and your listeners should understand that um, these pieces of artwork are not hanging somehow on the fence. They've been printed right. onto these windscreens. Um, but they can easily go and... Uh, see the entire gallery. Uh, I'll tell you, um, PGH is the abbreviation for Pittsburgh. Right. So if they just go, it's all run together, treeoflifepittsburgh.org, and you'll see the words there that say um, uh, Hearts Together Gallery. And if they click on that, You can move through all 224 pieces of just really beautiful, uplifting artwork.
0: Amazing. So treeoflifepgh.org.
9: Yes. Hearts Together Gallery.
0: Right. Hashtag Hearts Together at Hearts Together Gallery. Professor Lori Eisenberg, I thank you. This has been an amazing conversation. I thank you very much for joining us this morning.
9: Thank you for having me.
0: A pleasure. Go Pittsburgh. Yeah. (laughs) More coming up. You are listening to a very special Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM from the JCC in Greater Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One year later, in memory of those whose yard site will be commemorated this Shabbos, a year after the the massacre at Tree of Life. This is JM in the AM. (music) The Rabbi's sons with Umacha, a very appropriate selection—as we uh, broadcast from Pittsburgh and remember those who perished in the attack a um, uh, one year ago. Eleven victims uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we're speaking about the, what <gasps> it, we're speaking about. What it's like one year later. We're speaking about what it's like uh, in this community um, as the first yard site approaches. Well set. Dr. Nina Butler is here. Dr. Nina Butler, in addition to being a wonderful old friend of ours, has been on the front lines of our broadcast last year and this year. We mentioned to her we wanted to come back. She was enthusiastically encouraging us to do so. Um, And sure enough, she's also one of the greatest uh, hostesses (laughs) with tremendous hospitality that we enjoy every time we are in Pittsburgh, Dr. Nina Butler, welcome to JM and the AM.
10: Thank you so much. What an honor to have you here in our home.
0: Uh, I appreci- <laughs> appreciate that. So the JCC is everyone's home. It I, is. I said this when I saw the sign outside where it says JCC's for everyone. Yes. I said this is one of those communities where literally the JCC is home for everyone. As you would say, is. it literally is. It
10: literally is. I years ago, I ran a Judaic Arts Department here that was um, Jewish Family Education a few decades ago. And um, just being a part of the team here from the inside uh, was uh, an experience that I absolutely cherish. Like we do having you in Pittsburgh. Thank you for coming. (laughs) And thanks for coming with your fabulous team.
0: Yeah, we got a great team. Thank God. And uh, this is an important show. We set aside a lot of time to repair properly and get some great guests like yourself on. And now we're talking about a year later. And I know that, hey, you know, I, I ask people from Pittsburgh what's new a year later. The first thing they tell me is about a new kosher restaurant. I said, no, I'm talking about <laughs> the resilience. I'm talking about the, the trauma that the community went through a year ago. Tell me, from your perspective, how are people bouncing back a year later?
10: Um, I think that much like uh, some of your previous guests have mentioned, uh, we're all kind of blown away by the reaction not only from our immediate circles of friends, but also um, wider and broader circles. So um, the Jewish and the non-Jewish community in Pittsburgh came together in such a profound way. I, And then hearing from people from all over the world, of course, touched us deeply and continues to touch us. On the other hand, a year later is um, is a time when it's not, as expected, the people might be crumbling. And we're concerned about that. So um, I'm presently working on a project with the Jewish Healthcare Foundation. And uh, we learned from Parkland and from other mass shootings that a year later was unfortunately when people started, teens particularly, started to commit suicide. I mean, bad stuff. So the Jewish Healthcare Foundation decided to launch a project that's atypical of what they usually do. Usually they make change and some profound changes in so many different arenas concerning health um, from the top down. But they started a new project um, specifically looking at teen mental health and decided to do this in a more grassroots way. It's neighborhood-based teen mental health. So I'm coordinating efforts within the 15217 zip code so it's um, all the teens in our area, according to zip code, where you're launching this initiative um, with many different buckets of activities, from education to looking at access to support and other issues like that. And we hope to move the ball forward and uh, take what we learn to the next neighborhood. Are these teams the cooperative?
0: Do they want to be part of this? Are they looking forward? Are they are they receptive when you reach them?
10: So working with the teens and creating peer supports within schools is one of the initiatives. And um, we're actually working within the day schools to bring a program that the public schools has had for a while called Stand Together. And the whole name is Stand Together Against Stigma. The purpose is to reduce stigma around kids needing mental health um, care of some sort because Unfortunately, the statistics are that one in four teenagers before they graduate high school will need some kind of mental health support. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to have a mental illness Mm -hmm. their whole life, but they might need some support. And uh, we don't want the kids to be afraid to ask. Frankly, we don't want parents who see a difference in their child, either a, a very enthusiastic, charismatic, out there kid who suddenly gets quiet or a quiet kid who suddenly is involved, yeah, we don't want any of that to be missed. So um, the initiative is for communal education, parent education, and also to create peer supports within schools to reduce stigma and also to provide hands-on help.
0: You know, with the school shootings, I mean, look, look, any kid who's in that school that, you know, is the victim of a school shooting, I can't even imagine how they continue without constant mm. thoughts that I could have been a victim. Here in this case, this obviously was not a school and those mm-hmm. who, you know, don't frequent tree of life maybe may feel a little bit more removed, you know, not a member there, don't go there, you know, chances are I would not have been a victim there. But nonetheless, it doesn't seem to matter whether it's somebody who thinks they could have been in that building or someone who thinks the likelihood is I would not have been in that bu- It seems it doesn't matter that it affects them and has the same traumatic effect, uh, especially among the teens, no matter what.
10: Well, one of the changes that really, really saddens me is that I don't know if you can go to a shul anymore without guards right. out in front. Right. And that's really sad.
0: Because the kids might think I may not have been there, but God knows it could have been my shul, God forbid.
10: And the same thing with schools. I think mm-hmm. everyone has raised security to such a high, high level that it just saddens me that it's not the carefree world I grew up in where you could access a school from any of a number of open doors. Right. That's, those days are over. Right. And it's also kind of scary to think that there's all kinds of people, davening in school could be the person next to you, who might be carrying a gun. And that does not make me feel more secure, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Oh, I hear that, that scares the daylights out of me.
0: And imagine all these teens are going through all that in their own heads, thinking right. about what could be and who's there and who's coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And should I go to a public place and you know, am I gonna be able to enjoy it and forget about the fact that God forbid somebody could be, you know, in a situation like you describe. It's all these things going on at once. You know, last Shabbos difficult.
10: a fire alarm went off in our school, mm. And people flipped out i can imagine yeah and it was a faulty battery it was mm-hmm. nothing but yeah hearing the alarm and hearing it in shul and yeah it's i guess we think that we're healed but we're still a bit raw
0: it's america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world and the web and, and the and alchemsegel network and of course in the beloved NSN app. dr nina butler is with us uh, one of our great hosts here in Pittsburgh, and somebody helped us coordinate these programs. You mentioned to me, and I'm, I'm I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't have a chance to speak to him this morning. You mentioned to me that there are a couple of different attitudes that uh, day school directors and principals could have taken in this town. And you admire those who, uh, you admire everyone, obviously. <laughs> but and, and there's some with whom you certainly understand if they decide to take a certain yes. route. But yes. you were happy to see that there was one route at least once taken, which was... We're not going to be presenting, you know, unity concerts, and we're not going to be presenting mm-hmm. major events to try to put smiles on the faces mm-hmm. of the kids. What we are going to do is get back to a normal day. Right. What's it like when that normal routine is embraced?
10: Yes. You know, um, I, a shout out to Rabbi Sammy Weinberg yeah. from we Hillel we Academy. Yes, yes. I'm sorry he wasn't able to be with you. Um, but uh, the very next morning, and then the, for the for weeks afterwards, he Literally was, Monday morning? like he was offered all kinds of people said i'm going to do you a favor i'm a wonderful um, speaker and i'm going to come for free to your school well when you get 10 offers like that (laughs) and i mean admittedly many of the people who offered really are superstars in the jewish world and might have been able to help with full hearts with totally full hearts um so musicians, one school wanted to bring their student body to create a carnival for the kids in our community, In, our, in at Hillel. Um, there were so many uh, creative offers from people who wanted to engage. They wanted to support in a way that they thought would be helpful. And Rabbi Weinberg really um, impressed me because the choice he made um, after consideration was that the most important thing he could do as the educational leader of a school is to keep the student's day as normal as possible. So even though people were just throwing him all these wonderful, beautiful offers, he turned them down. And that, I think, took a lot more strength.
0: You know, it's funny, as we were preparing for the show yesterday in the car, Miriam Wallach pointed out to me, she said, uh, "Don't," and, and this is where I got the phrase, don't forget how important it is to embrace the routine, mm. and and what it's like to get back on one's feet by simply doing what you've done every uh, every other day, That's getting so up at the same time, going to work or mm-hmm. going to school, or whatever the case may be and making that a really important part of the recovery. So he, of course, should be acknowledged for that, as you just did. Now, you called your project, what's it? What's the zip code that you said? <laughs> one, 15217, one, two, and, and you hope that once this is established and, and the success of it is shown, Throughout the Pittsburgh teenage community, this could actually be taken to other parts of the country when needed.
10: Well, for now, <laughs> we're
0: just now aiming
10: on just moving
0: but I'm through it the be Pittsburgh replicated area. area. And it can be- but,
10: yes, we are going to post everything. It absolutely can right. be replicated. And we're learning a lot from other cities. Uh, one city that really impressed me was Detroit. Their Jewish Federation is doing a project they call We Need to Talk. And you can look it up, wn2t.org. Um, That has remarkable videos, video clips of kids describing different kinds of challenges um, and just bringing this whole idea of mental health to life and making it approachable. I didn't
0: know kids were this open and ready to talk about these things. It's amazing. Well, they're not. And right, that's the but problem. that they're capable of it and then yes. they eventually do it. That's, exactly. that's pretty remarkable. And that's
10: why these videos on their website are, are amazing and worth replicating. Their project is exclusively within the Jewish community and their Jewish federation is uh, the engine behind it. Our project is through a foundation and it's really going throughout the whole zip code area, Jews and non-Jews alike. So right. the models are a little different, but I'm glad that this is uh, coming up.
0: Lifelong Pittsburgh and
10: not? Uh, no, Detroit. Detroit, right?
0: That's why Detroit gets such a big shout out this morning. Uh, <laughs> the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh. What can you tell us about him?
10: I need to tell you this story about our mayor because his behavior uh, a year ago was amazing. Um, one thing he did within days of the shooting is he showed up for lunch in each of our day schools. <laughs> he actually sat and had lunch with the kids, <laughs> That's so cool. and at the end of lunch, he said, "Hey, kids, I'm the." I want you to know that I'm the mayor of the city and all the policemen in our city work for me and they're all here to protect you. We are going to keep you safe. We've got this. We've got your back, which is very reassuring. Yeah. And then a a few weeks later, actually on November 9th, the mayor wanted to, um, he called for a, big rally downtown in our uh, main uh park he insisted it be november 9th uh he called it a rally for peace michael keaton came tom hanks came
0: both from this area although tom because of the tom because he was doing the mr
10: rogers yeah and he was there with mr rogers widow and um he he insisted on that date and a few days before as the weather became clear his uh, assistants came to him and said you cannot have this rally we have to postpone this there it isn't going to be storm. just rain it's a monsoon coming you have to postpone it and he insisted to be that date which was kind of weird but people came people came with umbrellas they all came wrapped everyone came and then the next week he took out a full page ad in the jewish newspaper and i want to redo the text of that ad Please. on november 9th 1938, government leaders turned their back to Jewish citizens in Germany, Austria, and Czechoslovakia. On that day, police officers and emergency officials turned their backs. On that day, community leaders turned their backs to death, destruction, and violence that led to the Holocaust. On November 9, 2018... Government leaders stood in support of our Jewish community in Pittsburgh. On this day, police officers and emergency officials spoke against hatred. On this day, community leaders denounced anti-Semitism. On this day, we stand united that hate against one is hate against all. We are Pittsburgh. We are stronger than hate. Never again. William Peduto, Mayor, City of Pittsburgh.
0: I, I am stunned and speechless. He wanted it specifically on November 9th, and that's why. Amazing, Co-ha-ca-vode right? Ko Kavod, mayor of Pittsburgh. Unbelievable. Nina, thank you for everything.
10: It's such an honor to have you here. Thank Great you. Great to
0: have you on the show. Thank you so much. Dr. Nina Butler, of course, as we continue here. Um, by the way, we should acknowledge we should acknowledge that we are sitting, as described earlier, literally in the center of the JCC, and the Early Childhood Center is here. And it's very heartwarming when talking about a tragedy that befell the Jewish community here, that we get to see parents and kids uh, walking past us, going to the Early Childhood Center, representing the Jewish future, uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish values. And really, uh, it, it, it's, it's wonderful to have that, uh, that visual here in front of our broadcast. ...as we do this very special show in memory of those who perished one year ago. Uh, we're on Facebook Live, you can check it out, Facebook Live, uh, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. And Eric Ligi is here, he is described to us as an archivist who has been paying very careful attention to both the uh, past and recent history... Of the Jewish community of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Eric, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. So, pre 1027, pre what happened last year? Uh, how were you spending your time in regard to the uh, in regard to Jewish history and archives? How were you? What were you doing at that time?
3: Yeah. So the archives was reactive. You got a phone call. Somebody said they had some things you'd go and look at them, you'd get a sense if they were appropriate for the archives, talk to the person. It was very slow and deliberate and,
0: and Where all. are these archives?
3: The Jewish Archives is located at the Heinz History Center, which is down in the Strip District.
0: And it's interesting, there's a there's a rich, long, deep history in this community. So I'm uh, I'm assuming that as people, I don't know, discover things in their home or move around or, or find artifacts or interesting uh, newspaper clippings, etc. Those would be the types of cases you'd get. Those would be the types of things you'd be called about, right?
3: Yeah, there's been continuous Jewish settlement in Pittsburgh since 1838. Right. And there's been Jewish presence since about 1755. And it's all fair game.
0: Pittsburgh's also a key. Remind me. Now I have to go back to my own Jewish history courses. Was it called the Pittsburgh Platform? Right. Wow. What year was that? It was
3: 1885. I am
0: shocked. I remember that. (laughs) And that was a significant gathering in the history of Reform Judaism. Judaism. Yeah. And uh, so that happened in the late 1800s. So Pittsburgh does have a rich Jewish history and a tremendous uh, community here. Does your job, I mean, I'm, I'm... Now wondering, after the attack took place last year and this terrible massacre occurred, uh, how did your position as an archivist adjust? What were you asked to do?
3: Well, the archive had been given the responsibility of preserving documentation of a major historical event in Pittsburgh history, in Jewish history, in American history. And so we started doing field gathering, and that meant going to every single event we could and collecting the programs, the speeches, the flyers. The way I think about it is, look out at the world. Anything that you see that probably would not exist if not for this, we want a copy of it.
0: Does this make it in? (laughs) <laughs>
3: we have a lot of copies of that. He's pointing <laughs> to the stronger than hate yes. logo.
0: <laughs> well people on Facebook see what I'm okay. pointing to, but, but the audio people, you're right, we should let them know the stronger than hate logo became a certainly a national symbol, if not international, right?
3: Yeah, and continues to make appearances in various forms. Yeah. Give me an example. Well if you wanna if if you're if you're online, go on eBay and just type stronger than hate and you'll see all of these sort of makeshift shirts that are not licensed or sanctioned by anyone it's just people kind of using the logo
0: and using the slogan interesting yeah and and of course this was uh, this was the symbol on the on the on the uh, cleats of the pittsburgh steelers or yeah this was the one a, a version of it yeah does do you get access to the uh, to the shoe or not we tried <laughs> to
3: get the cleats we weren't able to really we've gotten other things um, there was a patch that the P- pittsburgh penguins had made so the Pittsburgh Penguins logo is sort of triangular shaped. Right. So they stuck another triangle
0: on it to make a mug of it out of it. So we got one of those. Interesting. Yeah. What other uh, interesting items are there? I never even thought of the programs and all the yeah. different flyers that are associated with the events post the tragedy. And, and, and the other, uh, any other items, of uh, cool items you could tell us about?
3: Well, the thing that people seem to be most interested in are the memorial objects. So there, first of all, was a large, spontaneous memorial that appeared right. outside of the synagogue. At, uh, at the corner of Shady and Wilkins. There's actually a second one down at Murray and Wilkins.
0: Mostly flowers, um, drawings by children, candles. Actually the thing that they were the most of were stones.
3: Uh, probably 2,000 stones were left on that site. And right now they're all, um, we brought them all inside. We laid them out on butcher paper so that they would dry out. And right now they're still inside the synagogue. Um, if you ever are at the synagogue, there's a little memorial in the window and all those things came out of that memorial that was on the side there. We
0: spoke about that earlier. Interesting. But
3: then in the weeks since, you know, in the months since, people have just sent hundreds and hundreds of things to the three congregations, to the families, to every Jewish organization in the city. And so we're in the process right now of digitizing all that and cataloging it and trying to make it available to people.
0: Wow. Uh, And are these, is it available to the public in terms of viewing? Could someone go to the Heinz Center and actually see these items? Not, not
3: yet. Uh, right now, we've been working with the organizations and the congregations for them to loan the stuff to us just so that we can get some documentation of it. The archives in general move a lot slower than life. Right. The archives right now are moving at archival light speed, which <laughs> is still much slower than
0: public demand. <laughs> I'm sure any historian out there could appreciate that. Right. Um, I hate to ask the, the the morbid question, but we know the nature of what happened a year ago, uh, there are likely items available, I would assume, uh, that I guess are designated as part of a crime scene, but would have a tremendous impact emotionally on the Jewish world and the world in general if they would be part of an archive like that on display. Is it is that too sensitive a topic to discuss now, or have you had any type of access to those types of items?
3: No, I, it's not too sensitive. Um, so, yeah, the whole point of an archive or a museum is that you save things that have some level of story or emotion embedded in them. Mm -hmm. Um, We embed that humans, we embed that in the objects and the things that you're talking about, things that have been damaged by those bullets, um, they do have a lot of power. They're also sensitive. So we've told the powers that be that if they feel it's appropriate, we're, we're ready the second they call. And if they want to have a conversation to figure out if they're ready, we'll have that conversation, and if they're not, we'll respect them. And
0: has any of that happened yet? or it's? Uh, I mean, over the past year, we've had a
3: lot of conversations about things like that, yeah.
0: Right, I can imagine, and I'm sure that things are being used as evidence, right? Things are, 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 are being encouraged by religious authorities and at times to be buried and dealt with properly and not be archived, and all those sensitive issues come to play.
3: I'm sure some of that gets outside of what they— put on the shoulders of an archivist, but right.
0: yes. Yes, you have to deal with all that. Um, Eric legi's with us. He's an archivist who's dealing with the uh, aftermath of the massacre of last year. Um, how would you say from your perspective, with all the programs and flyers and things that you've seen, the Jewish community reacted here in Pittsburgh to what happened last year? How would you evaluate it based on the amount of stuff, amount of things that you've collected from all these different people in in reflection of all these different events that have taken place? Every way
3: humans are capable of reacting, we've reacted. There's been sadness. There's been anger. There has been resiliency. There's been unity. There have been difficult conversations. All of those things that happen anywhere else happen here.
0: Um, Yeah. Am I right that the President of the United States visited here after the massacre? He did on the Tuesday after. Would, Would some of the things that happened or that were part of that ceremony make it into your archives?
3: Well, there was no ceremony. He came to uh, the synagogue, to Tree of Life. He laid something on one of the stars that had been placed there. Um, I suppose somebody could analyze the photographs and zoom in really close and try and figure out what it is, but for the most part, those have become anonymized. They're just the same as everybody else's.
0: And photos of him and his wife or whoever he toured the area with being here would be something that would make it into an exhibit like this or not? Well, we've archived
3: um, every local news article that's been written, and about the massacre. Yeah, and so a lot of those include those photographs. Yeah.
0: Wow, it must be just an unbelievable collection of of, of things. I mean, just a it's a, a lot, lo- of a tremendous material, number.
3: Yeah. And it's and it's, you know, the collecting is one thing, and then making it so that it's usable is the next challenge. That's what I've been doing since the first year, since October 27th of this year. What I've been doing is going back over the last year and making sure that we covered all the ground we should cover and making sure it makes sense
0: I think you're doing important and vital work which <laughs> not that you need my <laughs> not that you need my endorsement but I think this is so important for the uh, for everybody who's going to be able to to include these images and these and these exhibit pieces in their lives when they see them up close and personal and remember what happened a year ago here in Pittsburgh right it's
3: also an opportunity for our community to tell our own story because an event like this is so big that it immediately becomes symbolic on a national and international level. And that national and international story has a way of drowning out the local story. And so this is an opportunity for Pittsburgh to put all the things that it thinks is important on the other side of that scale so that it balances out a little bit.
0: Phenomenal, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having a me. A real pleasure. Eric g who's the archivist, responsible for, uh, what, for what is going to be preserved uh, both from during and the aftermath of this a terrible episode of a year ago. More coming up. You are listening to JM in the AM as we continue from Pittsburgh's JCC, where everyone is welcome. You'll see the sign outside when you visit here, and you'll see it. The JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is JM in the AM.
6: Now-
11: I am a reindeer. What do you think? I am a reindeer. I am a reindeer. I am a reindeer. I Hey, fix all, fix all oh yes, then do, oh my name do I buy a samar, a samar, and Oh yes rain do my the Lashem um, so thisula
4: chain aim Oh yes is sema no qui no
0: We're in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the JCC one year later. Uh, This coming Shabbos, the 18th of Cheshvan, is the yard site of those who were uh, victims of the greatest massacre against the Jewish community in the history of the United States. And we're here one year later, just like we were here last year during Shiva, uh, to bring to our listeners around the world the sense of brotherhood and sisterhood that our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh deserve. And to remind everybody of what it's been like for the uh, community here over the last year, and how they continue to be so resilient and continue to rebound, we have two very special people with us now: uh, Stephen Cohen and Barbara Kaplan. Stephen Cohen and Barbara Kaplan are co-presidents of the New Light Congregation here in Pittsburgh. I remind everybody that it was uh, your congregation uh, was one of the three congregations that was in the Tree of Life building, right? That would be, Correct. That would be the way of putting it. And we are dedicating this conversation, of course, to the memory of Richard, Daniel, and Melvin, who are all members of yours, friends of yours, and of course, victims in last year's tragedy. Thank you to the both of you for joining us this morning. You're welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Good morning. morning. You know, we talk about unity, and it's one of the reasons we're here, frankly. We're here because of the mission of the Jewish Unity Initiative. It's amazing to me that, uh, and there's no such thing as coincidence, of course, but that this episode took place in a building that housed three congregations. And I'm sure you know, because you've heard over the last year, what kind of impression that has made on the worldwide Jewish community, that you could have three congregations sharing a space. And unfortunately, of course, sharing victims and, uh, and, uh, and what had happened. But could you just tell us how that worked for a minute? Could you just tell us how it is that when, when we always joke that, that the only thing we know about in our community is breakaway minions and, and synagogues being built on the other side of town because people don't like this one,
12: that congregations can come together and cooperate like this? Um, I think over the last 20, 30 years, uh, membership in all religious organizations, whether it's Christian or Jewish, has declined. Uh, We all have owned buildings, we've all had extra space in our buildings, Uh, and New Light Congregation made the decision two years ago that in order to maintain itself as a family, because that was what was most important, that the walls around us were really unimportant. And so we reached out to other Jewish organizations uh, in Pittsburgh to see if we could find another home. Now, it turns out that uh, Dor Hadash, the third congregation right. that was in the building, they've never owned property. They've always been a renter. So when uh, Tree of Life, uh, when we reached out to Tree of Life and said, is there room in your building for us? They were more than uh, gracious and wel- welcoming. Uh, we converted what used to be the sisterhood room. Uh, we We painted, we put in new lighting, we put in ceilings we renovated the space in order to make it our own chapel and the year that we spent there was a very very happy year, very cooperative um, working with uh, uh, Tree of Life is a conservative uh, congregation, we are a conservative congregation, Dora Dash is reconstructionist and they're a little bit more advocacy oriented than we are and so it made for a very interesting marriage because we learned a lot about other ways of looking at things other types of events that we would not have all uh, otherwise might yeah. have had where are the walls now are, the, are there still services for uh, for well, your congregation the, the tree of life building itself is right. is closed correct so where um, you guys gather now well uh, that was actually the our very very first task after the uh, the massacre finding uh, a home finding a home uh, it's taken us a year but w- uh, but we are now very comfortable in our temporary home we reached out to a different congregation, Beth and That's all we know. It's, it's yep, right near here. It's right. Well, <laughs> right up the. street. Everything's right <laughs> near <laughs> here. Right? Squirrel Hill is a very small. I just community. say I happen to see it this morning. So. Uh, you drove. You drove right by it coming down. A um, uh, tree of life is right around the right. corner. Also, <laughs> and true. and our building uh, uh, was on the corner of Beechwood and Forward is also right around mm-hmm. the corner. So it's all very very close to mm-hmm. one another, which makes it very homey and and very comfortable. So you have a new home. We have a new home at. Uh, and again, uh, the Jewish community in every way has reached out and uh, offered us help, offered us sustenance uh, in order to man- uh, ensure that we can maintain ourselves as a congregation. Were either of you there last year? Or no. You happened not to be there. I
13: missed it by a week. Wow. Um,
12: I was actually in Arlington, Virginia, celebrating my grandson's second birthday, uh, heard about it. I-, I can't even imagine what it was like for you to hear this news. Well, uh, my daughter uh, listens to Nextdoor, uh, on an online app, came to me and said, Dad, there was a, there's an incident at, at your congregation. Have you heard about it? And I said, no. She said, well, it seems to be there's a shooting there. And I re- my reaction was, how could that possibly be? This is Squirrel Hill. This is Pittsburgh. Things don't happen like that here. I got in my car, and normally it's a four-hour drive. I think I did it in three hours. Uh, came and spent the weekend at the here at the JCC right. in the with room right else, across yeah. the way, with us waiting for uh, the, uh, the 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 legal process to uh, wend its way.
0: Tell me about Richard, Daniel, and Melvin. What can you tell
13: us? Richard was. Just the loveliest person. He was a dentist. He was my dentist. Nobody knows my mouth as much as well as he did. (laughs) And uh, I um, devoted time to uh, Catholic organizations, free of charge, to clinics for uh, people that couldn't afford dentistry. He was a mainstay of the synagogue. He was our rabbi's right hand, left hand, and every other man. Dan Stein was the most organized Organized person, organized trips to different synagogues that are no longer open, organized trips to DC, to the Holy Center. He just managed, micromanaged all of us. Mel Stein, <laughs> Mel sorry, he was the sweetest, littlest man, always had a joke, always had a smile, new services right, left, up, and down, and just. Just the sweetest, sweetest. You know
0: what's funny? I think everyone listening knows the three of them. I think the three of them exist in every congregation yes. practically in the world. Absolutely. The way you just described them. Absolutely. How dedicated all... one is to the rabbi. How organized they are, setting together, putting together all these synagogue trips. The joke. Everyone knows the guy in the shul who's always <laughs> telling the joke. I think. I think people can relate to the three people you lost that day. They're universal. Right.
13: They're universal. Real
12: shul goers. Yes. <laughs> they were the heart of our congregation. They were the people who kept uh, the religious aspects of our congregation going. Um, as uh, Barbara said, uh, Rich took care of the Torah. He took care of all of the details that, in, in support of the rabbi, in order to make a service happen. Uh, Dan was our manager. uh... If there's something that needed to be done, Dan was the guy you turned to to get it done. Um, and Mel. <laughs> Mel spoke very, very softly. It was even standing right next to him. It was sometimes very difficult to hear him. Yet he spoke with such a loud voice. He uh, had very strong opinions. Um, He always had a joke. Uh, generally they were off-color, but they were <laughs> never th- the same joke. It was amazing how he could come up to you at the end, uh, and if it was a woman, he says, am I, am I allowed to tell you this joke? You know, it's a little bit uh, different, and, you know, are you old enough to hear it? And this is to somebody who's 75 years old. You know, he will do. so.
0: I'm telling you, I know these guys. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well,
13: Mel, 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 as a matter of fact, had come up to me once. My daughter comes with us a lot of times on Friday nights and said. Is Annie over 21? Yeah, Annie's many years over 21. Why, Mel? I want to tell her a joke, and I want to make sure it's okay with you if I tell it to her, because it's not exactly the cleanest one in the, in the world. There
0: you go. I'm telling you, we know all these people. Well, we remember them this morning. And we dedicate this job, of course, is the yard site yes, on the right. Jewish calendar, and we dedicate this uh, broadcast to their memory, as we do for all the 11 victims. And uh, just a couple of words from both you uh, Stephen, and from Barbara about uh, life in Pittsburgh a year
12: later. What are your reflections now as we get to this milestone? Uh, it has been a very difficult year, as you might imagine. Uh, grief takes a long time uh, to, to allow one to be able to move forward. I think the high holidays were, were very, very meaningful. What a very important point. Very, uh, very, important Im- point. very important point because it, 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 it causes the, the introspection of looking at yourself and you look at the congregation and you mm-hmm. look at your congregants and you you try to remember um, this Shabbat what what we are doing it's a private service mm-hmm. just for our congregants but uh, we're going to sit and remember and talk about Mel and Rich and Dan and and try to bring closure which is truly not possible but to try to bring as much closure as possible to uh, what has been a a horrific year after a, a horrific event and look forward to a better time
13: uh,
0: well said barbara your thoughts a year later yeah
13: th- basically right. steve you know does did it well and uh support from our people and uh we'll just move on and keep going as a family does
0: yes um, I thank both of you very, very much. I thank know you, you made an effort to be here this morning. It's much appreciated. <laughs> no problem. Tra- 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 traffic doesn't always cooperate. <laughs> and, uh, and continued success with your congregation and with the uh, amazing Jewish community cool. here in Pittsburgh. Thank you. Very much. Thank you very much. More coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM on a very, very special edition as we uh, continue here uh, from the JCC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I thank all of you for joining us. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. By sons. i, I got to just take a minute before we get to our next guest to read some of these app comments because we're hearing from so many different cities around the world. We heard from Kemp Mill in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, AJA Carpool in Atlanta <laughs> is checking in. Carpool number 255 in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Pennsylvania. Um, listener, Yakov points out that his mom is from Pittsburgh. I think a lot of people would tell us that. Uh, Nahum, thank you for making this world a smaller, more united place. Shalom Israel, Israel. Thank you for that. Chicago's checking in, standing with our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh. Um, listener from Israel, with you in prayer from Jerusalem. Thank you for being in Pittsburgh today and allowing us to share in this yard site. So we have a, a whole collection of places from around the world who are uh, checking in. Yeah, I saw that one. Thank you who are checking in and um, acknowledging what we are doing here this morning, which is really bringing the Jewish world closer and uh, giving, uh, hopefully, a little bit of comfort to our brothers and sisters in uh, Pittsburgh and, at the same time, um, reminding the global Jewish community what our brothers and sisters have been through here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Stephanie Small, who you'll recall, was with us last year. She's one of two guests this morning who appeared in our broadcast back in 2018. She's Director of Counseling Services and senior services for JFCS. Stephanie, welcome back to JM in the AM.
14: Thank you for having me. One year
0: later, One I, year I later. think you sat, we were in the synagogue last year doing the show, I think you sat there, I would bet, uh, not knowing exactly how things would pan out during this upcoming year, 2018 to 2019. A year later, what can you tell us about how the organized Jewish effort has really helped people out there deal with the trauma of last year's episode.
14: You'd be right. We had no idea how it would turn out. Right. And over the course of the year, we provided on-site counseling here at the JCC for drop-in. We provided support groups. We provided individual counseling. We really wanted to make sure people were felt that they were heard and supported we were in contact with all of the families of the victims all of the survivors one on one we hired a care navigator to take care of them specifically
0: and just think everybody 11 victims we're talking about a lot of circles of people that have to be dealt with right exactly
14: and everybody feels it in different ways there's all those concentric circles and specifically for the congregations over the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur time and for the commemoration date we made sure there were mental health therapists on site at each of the congregations and this Shabbos will have the same our, early, our
0: earlier guest pointed out the high holidays. That was such a important observation. You just spoke about the 27th, which was, of course, many very important observances and people commemorating the date in many different ways. And then, as you just said, this coming Shabbos is a very important date as well. It's a very important date. Because and people Jewish, need to feel it. They yeah. need to be
14: know that they're supported and that whatever they're feeling is normal. As I said last year, whatever yeah. reaction you had last year, Correct. to an, any reaction to an abnormal situation is normal, right. and it continues, and it continues in all situations. That phrase,
0: by the way, could be very helpful to a lot of people. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Um, and people shouldn't uh, panic if they're reacting in a certain way, even if it's a year later, right? Correct. Yeah. We know
14: from other mass casualty events that trauma can... There are people not telling their stories till five years later, right. and so... We, JFCS, and we're CS a community that, that should know
0: this, just knowing how Holocaust survivors dealt with their exactly. you know, uh, a retrospective on their life you know, when they, when they decided to reveal things. Some immediately, and many, many others, way down the road many years later, as we know. Or them. never at all. Or never at all, correct. And
14: so we know that people will have these feelings going on. We know that with the change of seasons, a lot of people felt it from summer into fall. When the sirens uh, are going off, people right. still feel it. So whatever people are feeling, it's normal to feel it, and we're here to help no matter what. And people should know that. We're still here. We're not going anywhere.
0: So Stephanie Smalls with us. You get an interesting perspective on how individuals deal with this, families, the circles you mentioned. Is there a way to tell the community at large? Is there a way to walk the streets and someone like yourself get the feeling of what life is like here in Pittsburgh a year later? Is there a way to gauge the way the general mood is?
14: The general mood is calmer. It is calmer. And people feel better. But it's also a reminder, I mean, right now in Israel, with all of the rockets. So we're all feeling that solidarity with Mm -hmm. them. I actually reached out. The Israel Trauma Coalition had come out a few times over the course of this year to Pittsburgh to help train the clinicians, the first responders on trauma-informed care. And I reached out to them this morning to tell them that I'm in solidarity with them. And as Ruby Rogel wrote back, he said, you know, sometimes we're the helpers, sometimes we're the ones being helped. And that's all of us here. Sometimes we're the helpers, sometimes we're the ones being helped. And the community feels that. They know that. But you walk around, you see the stronger than hate signs have not left. Right. The crocheted mug and dovids have not left. Right. The entire community feels it.
0: Pittsburgh ain't giving in to anybody.
14: We ain't giving in to anybody.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, uh, during one of our earlier conversations, someone pointed out that the, that the, when, when they changed the outside of Tree of Life from the tarp that it was to the exhibit that it is now, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, call it, we'll call it that for a moment. So we pointed out how the – for anyone who thought that this murderer had some type of small victory by closing the synagogue, look at the resilience, look at the way the reaction was. And I'm sort of saying to myself, if that perpetrator, if that murderer walked into this building and saw the amount of activity and the early childhood and the seniors – and the number of programs, <laughs> and the flyers, and the and the computer messages with what's happening here on a regular. He would hate the JCC. He would hate <laughs> it. I mean, he, he would, would really. hate it.
14: The Jewish community, if anything, got stronger from it. Synagogue membership went up.
0: Is that true? Synagogue
14: membership in those three congregations went up from what it had been before, and people all over feel they need to connect. To their Judaism, we always talk about this. We always mm.
0: talk about community connecting. Yes. Unfortunately, it's usually in time of tragedy. Uh, yeah. We try, we try the Jewish e- way. <laughs> we, we, we try to encourage a time of happiness as well. It doesn't work as well, but okay. <laughs> but it's true. People needed a dress to go to. They need to feel connected and find <laughs> their own family outside their family.
14: And that's what they have. They feel the spirituality. They feel the Yiddishkeit. They feel the connection to the traditions that have always been there. And we do. We feel it in times of tragedy. But if that can make it into a time of simcha. Where we all together and Achtos? Then we did it right. Right, now And they didn't win. We won.
0: Now, you're not a lifelong Pittsburgh person, right?
14: I am not. I grew up in, in Far Rockaway, But you're one of New those York.
0: people, as I pointed out earlier, who if they're here for a few months, all, I'm of, a done. Sudden, all of a sudden this is your adopted city, right? 20 years Which we're I, now here. I, oh, it's 20 years. So you, <laughs> have, you years. have a right to at least feel that way. I
14: am. I'm not quite. My children are yinzers, as we'll say, but still, <laughs> still can't take the New York out of it. And it
0: is remarkable <laughs> to me. Just from the last two hours of conversations, because you know what New York is like. Oh, yeah. It is remarkable to me the level that people get to in terms of reaching out and trying to get along with everybody. Yes. And by the way, not just the Jewish community. No. The greater community of Pittsburgh as well. And it's fascinating. And you see people here who are in in communities that in New York would be much more only, uh, w- which we much, would be much more isolated. Mm-hmm. And they themselves are the ones making the effort to to reach out to everybody and be a real neighbor
14: even in the suburban congregations they all reach towards in everybody knows each other i mean i'm sitting here waiting for the interview to start and i'm saying hello to 60 different people all who who i know from different stripes and different colors and everything else because that's what pittsburgh is it's very squirrel hill and that's what it is it's very squirrel hill
0: there you go (laughs) another comment has come through montreal stands with pennsylvania and then one of our uh, listeners writes, uh, thank you for being at the JCC. My aunt is 100 years old, a Holocaust survivor, lives independently, and goes to the JCC every day and lives her. life to her. the fullest. You know her. Pittsburgh strong. I I'm know I know. You, who- I'm so glad we came here today.
14: <laughs> I know that, Grandma. You know the grandma. Because JFCS also (laughs) provides Holocaust services, and she is amazing. And we're always begging her to take more services just because I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. She's amazing. (laughs) And that that really sums up Pittsburgh. We're amazing, and people should know.
0: We have certainly picked that up. I'll tell you that much. Stephanie Small, Director of Counseling Services and Senior Services. Stephanie's sticking around, I hear. We're going against (laughs) protocol, and Stephanie's sticking around. (laughs) Is this Kathy Samuels? Is this the person who is responsible for us being in this building? You cannot imagine how much we thank you. We're not used to always being included in the inclusive. And you and you gave us such a tremendous welcome over the phone. We, we thought it was a shot in the dark. How can we make an arrangement to be at JCC 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, two, three days in advance of when we want to do it? And you made it happen for us. And thank you so much.
10: Uh, it's tru-
15: truly our pleasure. Um, sort of been the story of the last year. Uh, Literally. We, opening your doors for opening people. Opening our right? doors for people. Morning, noon, and night. We don't think twice about it. Um, since the day of the tragedy till today. And I'm sure forever moving forward we we welcome anybody that um needs a place to feel at home
0: kathy samuels is the chief development and communications officer here at the jcc you you have first of all i mean you know this but let me give you the perspective of someone who just walked into this building yesterday for the first time you have an amazing staff you have people on the front lines in in the simplest of departments if there if, if there is a department that's simple that are so friendly and nice and, and reaching out to everybody. And you're, you're surrounded by a lot of good people here.
15: It's the most amazing um, staff of more than 120 full-time employees who have put their heart and soul for 100 years into the work that we do in the community and who never thought once or twice about what, what their roles were or what they needed to do to help this community over the last year. And I am surrounded by an incredible group of people who are uh, my family.
0: You know, there are a lot of JCCs in this country that do not concentrate on the J or the C. I- they are neither very Jewish, and there's, I, I know one in particular very closely, neither very Jewish and in many cases not very community-minded. And it looks like you have both of those categories covered like crazy.
15: Well, I think um, Rabbi Ron Simons was on earlier this morning, and he and I work very closely together around uh, the work that he's doing yeah.
0: in the religious services. Yeah, amazing.
15: And uh, we always laugh in our in our strategy sessions. Are we the J right. C C or are the J C C? <laughs> right. So um, we do. We we feel equally strongly uh, about being a community center as we do about. Um, being rooted in Jewish values.
0: And last night we're here and I'm watching people of every segment of the Jewish community and what seems to me every segment of the general community coming in to use your services and your programming?
15: Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we we have close to 20,000 members. That's an amazing number. Uh, we get more visits in a year than the Pittsburgh Zoo. Um, <laughs> it's, it, the diversity is incredible. I think there's close to 19 languages spoken in our early childhood department. It's a community of meds and eds. So... You know, a lot of diversity, and I think we're about 60% Jewish and 40% non-Jewish in the mix of our membership, and we really believe we are a true uh, town square for the neighborhood.
0: And you know it's funny? Someone said to me yesterday that one of the attractions of the non-Jewish community is the Jewishness. They like the values. They like what the spiritual and religious aspect brings to a building like this. That's such a beautiful thing to hear. There's no
15: question, and... Um, I, I think they do look, look to us for um, the, the levels of education and the levels of programming and the quality of fitness and all the things that we provide. They know they're going to get what, what they need and what they want. And it's, it's just a beautiful melting pot of, of community.
0: I, I have to ask you this. We mentioned your role sure. in, in development. I, I, I can't imagine that it's the easiest uh, institution to raise funds for. Um, yet it's so necessary and and you do find people who understand the importance of it
15: totally we have a very very loyal um, well I must have
0: a very active board I have to assume that we have an incredibly active board a very
15: diverse board um We started an event about 15 years ago called Big Night, and we attract about 1,200 people. We heard about this, right. And uh, we net close to half a million dollars from that event now. So we have the support of the community and the corporate community that that we've developed over the years. And then we have a huge... uh, uh, sort of niche in the foundation community now. So we're very, very supported by that community as well. And then all the individual giving that we've cultivated over the years. Um, It's a big budget. It's a big organization. How long have you been with the JCC? 15 years.
0: And are you a Pittsburgher?
15: I grew up in a small town up the river uh, called New Kensington. And uh, the way I attached to my Judaism was through BBYO. Wow. Um, Nice. That was sort of my whole life growing up. And then I went to the University of Pittsburgh and never left.
0: Phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, I was speaking with Kathy Samuels, Chief Development and Communications Officer here at the JCC. Stephanie Small is here, Director of Counseling Services and Senior Services. Kathy, what's your perspective on what she does? What's your perspective on the fact that, <laughs> that there are people here reaching out and helping both on a community level and an individual level those who are suffering over the last year?
2: Well,
15: I've always enjoyed my work with Stephanie um, through the last year. She was a person that I would turn to when people would approach me about things that were not in my um, toolkit, and uh, Stephanie is always there for whoever needs her and has the ability to really uh, take care of community in a way that's very special and just very obvious
0: the situations became more complicated over the last year huh? yeah
15: they really did and uh we had so many uh, everything from people calling and saying uh i live in in the west and i have kugels what do i do with them <laughs> i swear to god you have
0: to deal with the jewish mothers huh? <laughs> to, to, yeah
15: to you know people who would walk in the building with a large check to people who would be sitting in this lobby crying and uh it. It. Nothing surprises us anymore. Nothing throws us. Lots and of blankets. A lots lot of blan- people knitted. Lots of quilts and blankets. A lot of quilts. And so there's been great synergy between uh, Jewish Family and Community Services and the JCC. Always has been. Oh, for sure. But this just strengthened right. it even mm-hmm. more.
0: A few weeks after uh, the episode, were things back to normal here at the JCC? Like, was it a period of only weeks? or
15: We actually were only closed one day. We opened for business um, the next day. Right. Uh, if you walked in here, we were first of all under construction, right. um, but we were back to business as you, usual. Of course, nothing was usual, right. but we were able to er- open early childhood. We were able to have folks who needed to work out and not also as a stress reliever so fitness was open after school care was open we were back to normal I I don't know that it will ever be the same normal Mm. again as as a year before new normal but it is it's the new normal and uh we we never close we're open 365 days a year we're We are there for the community.
0: Well, you know that we were here last year. But this is is a completely new experience for us. I I, I never would have believed, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, how this is literally what seems to be the capital of the Jewish community of Pittsburgh. This building is it. It is. This is town hall. Call it whatever you want. This is it. And that's such a special, inclusive feeling for everybody. It's wonderful. That sign outside. I'll say it again. I've said it 20 times this (laughs) morning. That sign outside JCC is for everyone is the simplest slogan but it really says it all
15: it's it's a funny thing when we developed that campaign four or five years ago and it's evolved and sometimes it's jcc is for everybody right sometimes it's jcc is for everyone i also oversee marketing and um we would find that we'd be out in parks or in different activities and kids would talk about, JCC <laughs> is for everyone, and it's on our keychains, it it's on me. our member it cards. It really I'll tell you that much. It really, uh, it really has commu- community appeal down to the youngest children and, and talking about it.
0: Oh, and by the way, Paul, who you know was a tremendous help to us last night. Amazing has man. A- has already texted Miriam twice this morning to make sure everything's gone okay. So, you know. Eh. That's great. He was
15: texting me last <laughs> night on the other side. He keeps us all well informed, and he is the greatest nurturer and... Security captain you could ever dream of. And it
0: also shows you that no matter what position you hold, you can have a positive effect on people's lives, right? No question about it. You can be in the security department and be somebody who the kids and adults look up to and enjoy their company. There's no question. Amazing. Yeah, top down is right, as Miriam says to me, and it's uh, certainly the case here. Uh, I thank both of you. Uh, Kathy Samuels, thank you again for having us and for all your help getting us Truly here. Truly our that, pleasure. Now we know we can come back easily. Do I have time for
15: one funny story? Please, are you kidding? We'd love it. So I'm, uh, I know that you appeal to the uh, Orthodox Correct. community and my best friend, Beverly Bren, who works for the Jew- Jew- Jewish Association on Aging and has been my friend since I was 12 years old. Uh, li- leads, lives a modern Orthodox life, and her three daughters are like f- we're, we're intimately close family. And I knew you were okay just by talking to you, that you guys were <laughs> awesome, even though I didn't know you. But I texted her and said, Are these guys cool? Is this cool? And her children who uh, live in Cleveland. Um, immediately picked up them one called me and said, they're the best. <laughs>
11: God bless Go them. Go for it. So, God bless them. So uh, I knew the, you were
15: kosher. We, we <laughs> need their home address. I'm begging you. We, we got to send them some swag. That's great. I will, I will give it to <laughs> you. That is
0: great. Kathy, I thank you again. Stephanie, we thank you as well. And thanks to the JCC and everybody who's been so amazing, including while you're sitting here, Ashley, who was great for us yesterday. Um, awesome. Officer Mike. It awesome. was amazing this morning, and of course, we mentioned Paul and yourself, who were so instrumental in helping us with the nuts. Well, thank and you both. for thank being you. here. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been an amazing morning, and a, really an amazing morning one year later. Tremendous spirit in this community, and we get an injection of positive spirit just being here. Uh, and I thank all of you for tuning in, and and for, and the reaction on our app is amazing because, frankly, the reaction this morning. Uh, is so heartwarming because it came from so many parts of the world. All the different people listening who are Pittsburgh strong, whether it's from Jerusalem, whether it's from Baltimore, whether it's from Cleveland, Detroit, uh, or ever Chicago, wherever people checked in from this morning, people are Pittsburgh strong and remembering uh, the strength and resilience of the community uh, one year later. And here it is. Our Jewish future walks in front of us as the early childhood youngsters are parading around here at the JCC. And it's no joke. When we talk, talk about... Um, stronger than hate. Mm. When you talk about it, I love the... I I know it sounds so morbid and terrible. I love the fact that the guy who walked into the shul last year would hate this JCC. I I, love that as I say it. And I know it sounds ridiculous. It doesn't sound
1: ridiculous. It really doesn't sound ridiculous. There's a tremendous amount of pride in that statement. There's a tremendous amount of Am Yisrael Chai in that statement. You know, you talk about resiliency, I, I, I would say... The Jewish people exemplify resiliency, and of course, our love and thoughts go out to all of our brethren in Israel who are certainly demonstrating that resiliency. That is absolutely true, 100%. And we don't always have the opportunity to have our broadcast be filled with cute little voices in the morning, Um, and it certainly is... It certainly is just inspiring. It really is. Life continues. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't forget, but it does create that new normal, and it's, it's tremendously exciting. And I also just want to mention that last year, our broadcast ended with a gentleman who was working in the shul Right. He was working for one of the contractors right. and he was, you know, not a member, not a member of the Jewish community, but a member of the Pittsburgh community. And when you said to him, you know, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> right. And we sort of right. we were sort of like, OK, That's as
0: dramatic as you right.
1: can. And like <laughs> he was just like, yeah, we'll be all right. And, and I don't know. We sit here now a year later and yeah, everyone's going to be all right.
0: And I have to say one more thing before we wrap up. Everybody listening, especially if you're living in the United States and you're a member of the Jewish community. The mayor of Pittsburgh insisted yep. it be November 9th, crazy, because of Kristallnacht. Yep, so that he could remind the world that government officials in Europe made sure to start massacring Jews on November the 9th. He and other government officials Protected. in the United States of America made a commitment to protect Correct. Jews on November 9th, and that is one highlight of this show that I will never ever forget. Ralph
1: Rosenbaum writes on the app it's great that NSN brings the entire community together. Thank you for that. And Edie Goldman writes, Kol HaKavod, amazing show. Thank you Thank you, you everybody.
0: Thank you all. We'll do our thank yous in a moment. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. This is your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at Siegel.com on the Siegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. <laughs> Thank you, Simon Jacob, chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, for making this happen and understanding the importance of taking a couple of days and dedicating them to this three hour program. Thank you, Simon Jacob, and the Jewish Unity Initiative. Thank you to our amazing team Miriam Alwalik, Yoni Pollack, Avrami Finkelstein, ZK, Mark Zamek, who covered for us at Kosher Fest yesterday with Naomi Nachman. Thank you. And of course, everybody here from Ashley to Officer Mike to Paul to Kathy and everybody who was, and Dr. Nina Butler and everybody who was so instrumental in helping us put these, and we should say Robert Wasserman as well, who also encouraged us to come back before the yard site. A big thank you to all of you, and a big thank you to everybody at the JCC here in Greater Pittsburgh, and everybody in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Tomorrow, we are back in our New York City studios, and I thank you all for tuning in. Bite Size with Yoni Pollock is next, and Joanna Shepson has an amazing interview coming up during that broadcast. So keep it right here on NSN. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past. Live the present and trust the future.